Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon welcome clark joe to your ultimate destruction (laughs) an ancient kryptonian deformity blood of my blood born to destroy you your doomsday (laughs) yeah so uh about this so you're this is part of your plan. Heresy. Yes, yes, this is part of my plan. I have been planning it out from the get-go. Your puny little Kryptonian mind is just too small to handle it. Did you have anything to do? Were you orchestrating anything with my involvement in Africa recently? Kick. Oh, yes, that was Mr. Anatoly. He thought it'd be a good idea to burn everybody and make it look like you killed them with heat vision, but he also had to shoot them first. So uh, maybe a slight oversight on my part, but no, no, no. Uh, Everybody believed that you did it anyways. Uh, Maybe. I'm not sure. But it was all part of my plan leading up to the creation of this, your doomsday. (laughs) Yeah, doomsday. I I see him there. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, I want to get back to your plan here real quick. So... You gave that whole part of your plan to Anatoly, and then he fucked it up. Yes, I think that's the story I'm going to go with. You think? You just can't handle it because your brain is too small. Uh, And I had to get the Bat of Gotham to not like you and you not to like him, so I sent you all these pictures, and and I got everybody in prison with a Bat brand to be killed. You know, it all makes sense if if you just think about it. You're not thinking about it clearly enough. Uh, because I am smarter. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah, Doomsday, we get it. Oh, yeah. So back to the plan. Uh, your the the pictures. W- explain that, I, I, and don't worry about how I know about that. I'd know, okay? Uh, the pictures to uh to Batman. Well, what what was the deal there? 
I'm just a fan of Nikon, all right? I like Polaroids. I like things that are nostalgic. And I thought that was a nice, classy way to send a message. Okay, classy way with Polaroids. I guess my intellect is just not getting that part. I, uh, your, your intellect is far beyond mine, Lex, of course. Um, You're an okay. uncultured swine! Uncultured swine! He calls him an uncultured swine when you're the guy leaving piss jars everywhere. Clark Joe, that is a way to mark one's territory that is the ultimate symbol of masculinity is a jar of pee-pee. Good point. So even this guy gets it. You're blood of my blood. You should not be disagreeing with me right now. Superman, right. Your plan, complicated. Yeah, your plan sucks, Lex. Your plan, failing. Me just want to terraform Earth. Simple plan. Your plan, stupid. Lex Suxor. Both of you, your brains are too tiny. The Kryptonian brains are not big enough to understand my ultimate plan. The jar of pee is the symbol of power. And you just cannot wrap your little minds around that, can you? Obsessed with Winky, you are. If you two are just going to pick on me, ha, then I am going to go find Batman and uh, I will team up with him. How about that? Ha. Just try to pick a fight with us, you little dweeb. Look, I'm going to pee in the jar right now. You're a piece of shit. Go ahead and pee in your jar, you little dweeb. Little dweeb. Like a little Pomeranian bitch. Pee out of fear. This guy blows. You know what? Not a bad idea, DD. Can I call you that? Take a swim, Lex. My goodness gracious, is this urine? Oh, that tastes very well. <laughs> Whose urine is this? You're not the only one who likes peeing. My word. It seems like the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree now, does it, Sucks? And we are back to conclude Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Snyder vs. Critics. Who will win? Who will lose? Well, Snyder's at 11 and Critics are not at 19, so we'll, it seems like it's going to be a bit of a landslide, but we'll see. So, this is, as usual, it's Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me are... Dear listeners and friends, thank you for joining us this, this day in holy matrimony of nerdery and <laughs> video breakdownery <laughs> and overall analysisery. Thank you. And Zach. Yes. Oh, this is Andrew. <laughs> it's me, your old Uncle Joker. He's back, and he's very professional. He's got his microphone and his headphones, so ready to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a level up. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mr. Zach, Mr. J has joined us once again as we conclude Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. And here we are to basically take the usual fan criticisms of this movie, go into Zack Snyder's intentions, pit them against each other, and vote on which one we prefer. As I said earlier... Take a big shit on them, Snyder rules! <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we very rules. much try to go down and treat everything fairly in terms of just see what his intentions were and all that. But, yeah... Was the media fair to Snyder? No. <laughs> Critics 19 and Snyder at 11, so so far we're siding with the media here. Oh, no, However, I, I do put in a motion <laughs> to continue giving automatic points for stuff that we all like. So one of those things, I realized I did not bring this up. This is the first Batman movie to give credit to Bill Finger. 
Bill Finger has a co-credit in the opening. That's right. It's the first time that happens. You see that in the Batman and Bill documentary where Mark Tyler Nobleman goes into the movie theater and he sees that for the first time and his reaction to that. So I vote for automatic point to Snyder for Bill Finger. It probably wasn't Snyder's. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. Never mind. But, Take that away. <laughs> but I, 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 no, I think it's an automatic point. But I mean, I think that would have happened post-Batman and Bill. Yeah. I think that would have happened anyway. But it was yes. before Batman and Bill. It hadn't happened yet. Remember, he go, he goes really? in to see Batman versus Superman during Batman and Bill. That means that they filmed him going into oh, the theater yeah, to see right. it. So this was still yeah, beforehand. Right. Okay, the point definitely goes. Snyder, to Snyder twelve, Man. critics nineteen. Here we go. He's catching but up. Were they, was Warner Brothers aware of Nobleman's research? I imagine at that. I don't know at that point because of the fact that. It was because of him that he got the credit anyway. It's not like Warner Brothers decided to randomly be like, eh, I think it's about time. I think it's that they, because of Mark Tyler Nobleman, they pushed for that. All right. Well, he gets well, the point. So yeah. there we go. What's the score at now? Snyder 12, Critics 19, but we got plenty of other stuff that uh, we could oh. still give automatic points on. So you don't know what's going to happen. Can Snyder get a touchdown and get like six points all at once? <laughs> Some stuff that we really like. I mean, we got the warehouse fight coming up. We got Wonder Woman's entrance coming up. It's you know, don't. It's not a guarantee, landslide. The warehouse. It's good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Six points, baby. I think. I think it can only. To be fair, it has to be one point per good thing. So we gave one point last I time. It was you. automatic points for Ben Affleck as Batman, and a separate point for the suit since the suit is a separate thing. But they're both related to Batfleck. Right, so we right, can do right. similar things here. But before we go into it, I did want to go into a few corrections department type of things. One where I actually have to correct myself to you, Andrew. Uh, so at the end of... Uh, oh, shit. I think I saw this. Actually, this is, this is not in thing. But in Man of Steel, uh, we brought up the whole ending where the, the flashback is where Clark dons the red towel uh, as like a cape. And you brought up like, well, Kryptonians, like maybe he's because he's got the codex, Kryptonians wear capes. And so he was thinking about that when he donned it. And I was like, yeah, but Jor-El's not wearing a cape. They don't wear capes in this. Turns out I was wrong. I looked again. Jor-El does not wear a cape, nor does Lara, really. It's uh, Zod. Zod and his minions, when they first come in to break into the council, they're all wearing capes in the armor. Right. So I completely forgot about that, and I looked again. And maybe Lara does wear it later on, actually. But sometimes it's difficult to tell because it's like there's they're like wearing robes, like Jor-El's in a robe uh, type of thing for right. most of the movie until he dons the right. armor. Uh, so I just thought, oh, it's a robe, but it's not a cape. And then I was like, oh, no, I was looking at Jor-El. I wasn't looking at Zod. And so Zod does have the cape. Well, it's the internal logic of the whole thing, right? Like, I mean, even if even if you don't see them, there's just so much baked into a superhero movie, especially these days, where, I mean, yes, they should have shown it, and I guess they mm-hmm. did, but um, I, I, if the idea is it com- if, the, if the whole codex is in yeah. them and all of Kryptonian culture then that part is as yeah. well, even if he hadn't seen it or whatever. So that's just what I was thinking all along. But I'm, I'm glad yeah. you found that. I, I kind of forgot Plus that the, myself. Plus the suit is made by the Kryptonian ship anyway. So the idea that it gave him a cape is, right, makes right, it Kryptonian right. mythology. We we like that part anyway. We voted Snyder on that part. So it's not like we're revising a score there, but yeah. I thought I would correct myself on that. Uh, the other one <laughs> is based off of how we talked about last time or the time beforehand how how would lex know to encase the wheelchair in lead if he didn't even know that superman had x-ray vision i looked again superman does use his x-ray vision on the military in man of steel when he's in the interrogation scene he can look at 
Dr. Hamilton's pockets and he can see, you know, what's in his like front pocket and stuff. So it seems like it's possible that the army would have reported that like, hey, among his powers would be X-ray vision because he did that. And then Lex probably has enough power to get a hold of that report to know at least about X-ray vision. Lead is a common blockage to X-ray, uh, to X-rays when you go in for your X-rays. So I can see it being put two and two together. I think. So it's all there. So another point to Snyder then. I mean, I guess. <laughs> That's one of the <laughs> we didn't do a vote on that one so much as, like, we have not gone into Lex's plan in terms of, because we don't reach the end game with a plan until this part, because we left off with Martha last time. We haven't gotten into Doomsday yet. Right, right. So right. maybe when we get there, we can we can vote on that, because uh, it is, like, it. this is one of the things where I'm like, okay, it's one of the few things that has a viable explanation for how Lex would know that as opposed to how he knows Clark is Superman and Bruce Wayne is Batman before this movie even starts. That's not really explained. I don't have a huge issue with it because it's kind of more interesting sometimes when the villain does know, but uh, there really isn't any explanation in terms of how he does. Uh, It's up to you whether or not you want there to be, but I'm just saying there isn't one. Uh, Last time as well, I said the Fortress of Solitude is kind of the Superman scout ship and that I claimed that it went into the Phantom Zone. Uh, turns out I got it mixed up. The ship that Clark came down in is in the Phantom Zone. The scout ship is the one that crashed uh, into Metropolis and is the one that Lex uses to create Doomsday. So the scout ship is a viable uh, ship in this. So it's still around. Okay. It still can be the Fortress of Solitude in Zack Snyder's Justice League when it comes out this week uh, as of the release of uh, this episode, not the week of this recording right now, but the week of this release, Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out. So we're all going to be tuning into that and diving into that. It's like we planned that shit or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's see. Anyway, uh, we left off on the Martha scene and so you guys if you missed part three go back to part three where we talked about that uh what we did talk about we we did not talk about though is uh a little bit of the fan response and the backlash to that fan response so fan response a lot of it was how this is ridiculous this is cheesy their mothers have the same names and now they're automatically best friends and they made fun of it there were memes going around from the stepbrothers movie where you know will ferrell and john c Riley are just like did we just become best friends similar yes, thing yes. <laughs> uh and so one of the things that they hit back on especially after uh civil war and avengers endgame was how captain america uh gets thrown off when his enemies mention bucky's name in civil war frank grillo's crossbones in the beginning mentions bucky or sort of references bucky and captain america sort of stops himself uh, in that moment, similar thing in Endgame, where present-day Captain America tells past Captain America that Bucky's alive and uses that against him in order to knock him out. Um, however, I would say, once again, just like the whole thing in uh, Part 3 about false equivalency of Jimmy Olsen and Lucius Fox, uh, this is false equivalency as well, because the criticism towards the Martha scene was not about Batman being thrown off guard by the name of Martha specifically. It was about, A, how Superman brings it up, B, the fact that both of their mom's names are the same and how that seems to lead to the immediate end of the fight. And C, how quickly Batman folds and they become basically friends afterwards. So in... So quick, yeah, man. In the Marvel movies, when Cap hears Bucky's name, it makes sense in both instances because they're used as a tactical way to throw him off, both of Crossbones and with present-day Captain America telling past Captain America. Uh, there's no moms having the same name connection. Everybody knows that Bucky is his friend, so it's not really out of nowhere. And Captain America doesn't suddenly become friends of Crossbones once he brings that up. 
uh, nor does he do that with his That's past self right. when he brings that up. So, again, false equivalency is not really the same thing at all. Uh, and we had different issues from it than just the fact that the name was brought up. But, oh, well. It just feels off. It feels a, a little bit weak. Something about, like we said before, execution was a little bit mm-hmm. weird. Or the line itself. Remember the I said in the part one of this whole yep. thing where if he just said, if he started out with, like, my mother, yeah. and then and then Batman's like, you know, mm-hmm. just I think that would that would bring somebody off guard first because like he is about to yeah. kill him, and it's just like maybe I let this guy say his last words about his mom mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. It just it was just yeah. Everybody thought it was a little weak. I think. Well, many right, people right. did, except for Zach. Well, Zach had a the episode. Zach had a had a rewrite that came to him after we uh, listened to that part three. Yeah, you want me to? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You want me go to say it? it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, say it. In say this it. version... <laughs> in this version, it makes it would make more sense to be more powerful if Batman wasn't so kill-happy to begin with and did not use guns at all. If he was very, um, you know, anti-gun, as he usually is in the comics. So my idea was that instead of a spear, he has a... Uh, a pistol with like kryptonite bullets in it maybe just one because he knows like he's going to use that one to kill superman uh because he would see that as being more efficient and you know he's still got the grenades and everything to you know get the gas into his system so that he's weakening superman but i like the idea of him having superman down on the ground that same you know uh pose that he is at the very end when he's got the spear up but he's holding the gun on superman and in that moment, maybe we haven't seen the flashback already. Maybe it wasn't in the beginning credits. And at that moment, then that, uh, you know, beautiful eye music starts playing. And we see the flashback of, you know, Bruce's parents being murdered. And I like the idea of like him seeing the gun, like him having uh, his point of view be Joe Chill's point of view, like kind of flashing back to that, like right. him shooting his own parents and then him like, seeing himself holding that gun on Superman. And I think like that would have been more powerful. That would have been like this realization, like, Oh God, like what, what am I? Like I've become like, you know, the same person that took away my innocence and my parents, but you know, it only works if um, he's not so murderous throughout the whole movie (laughs) or just not so blatantly careless as far as uh, criminals lives go. Then it's like a big deal that he's going to kill somebody and he's going to shoot them. But I think, you know, just like we are probably going to talk about, the spear serves another purpose later in the movie that I guess the gun would not. Right. You can't exactly shoot Doomsday with that. But I do love the idea because it's like (laughs) how powerful the opening of Batman Beyond was, right? When Bruce is in the suit, still in the suit, but he's getting old and he, he just can't fight. So he's desperate and he pulls the gun. And then because of that, that's why he retires. I think it's that's that's an amazing scene. And I think something like that also would have been pretty powerful, uh, especially when you have Lois there. If Lois still comes in at that moment, and then you've got him holding a gun to a man and a woman, just like Joe Chill did to his parents, uh, that would oh, also be there. That would be and good. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of Snyder fans would be like, yeah, but that's in the movie. I'm like, yes, it is in the movie, but the problem is it's like what we talked about with the jar of piss and other things where it's just <laughs> like it's such a distraction that – 
I can't blame the average audience for missing that aspect. Most people walked away from that and thought, like, they're friends because their moms had the same name. They didn't really get the chance to interpret the idea that, oh, he's turning into what he hates. And I think that's a beautiful moment that sort of, in Zach's rewrite, is highlighted a lot better and a lot more. Uh, because of the fact that the Martha thing is taken out, or or at least if you were going to do it, put it later on as like an afterthought in terms of Superman saying, like, you know, find my mom, her name is Martha Kent. And then you see a moment from Batman, and he says, you know, use the line from the movie where he says, I'll make a promise, Martha won't die tonight. And then we know as an audience what that means, that type of stuff. Like, it, it's better understated, I think, than just a big, loud, Affleck screaming, why did you say that name, and all that type of stuff. <laughs> like, you don't really need that because it's, it distracts I think from the main point what do you think Andrew I think that's better than what we got Zach it's definitely better than what we got but I think do, does that it almost makes Batman's character art completely outside of Superman mm-hmm. like he could have been shooting a gun at anybody well like, uh, I mean, he is true but Superman. That, that is the object that would be the person he would do that to out of it like he wouldn't do that to anatoly Mm -hmm. because anatoly is just a random criminal he's doing it for superman to prevent superman from destroying the world in his mind it it just seems like i mean is it should batman just have some better turn based on seeing superman actually be hopeful uh instead of i don't know i mean it is like i said it's better than what we got i just i don't know we, you see what way I have to work with here, as the doctor <laughs> said in Batman 89. So. <laughs> that is so tough, man. I mean, screen, screenwriting, screenwriting is tough. It's, it's, it is. It's, it is. I mean, Ben knows way more than either of us, I think. But. Uh, I think oh, here, yeah. they, I, I love that idea. Obviously, it does put you in a different hole with the, with the spear thing. Uh, I think this one, you know, for those who are. Uh, who have been listening to us a long time. We've had a Justice League rewrite for when the Justice League came out in 2017. And then recently on Patreon, I did a Man of Steel one that was a way easier than rewriting Justice League or this one because Man of Steel, for its most part, is solid, pretty solid and just has a few points that uh, I just wanted to do a different take on the same themes that Snyder was doing. This one is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I'm going to take a crack at it. And if you're Patreon users, you guys will get to hear it at some point in the next few weeks. So check it out and it will include, you know, credit to Zach, uh, some of these ideas that we talked about here. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> it'll be the superhero stuff you should know rewrite on it. Uh, anyway, as I mentioned, one of the lines that Bruce says to Clark afterwards is I'll make you a promise. Martha won't die tonight. Uh, this is not only significant because of the Martha part, but because of the first part where he says, I'll make you a promise earlier in the movie when he talks to Alfred about his cynicism and the fact that, you know, if there's a 1% chance that Superman is our enemy, we have to take that as an absolute certainty. Beforehand, he says, we've seen what promises are worth. As in, he doesn't believe in promises. He doesn't he doesn't think that they're, they're worth right. anything anymore. And now he turns around and says, I'll make you a promise. Now, it's, it's the beginning of his turn. Awfully quick, as Andrew has pointed out, but uh, it's there yeah. uh, in that. So, And another little tidbit before we get into the big warehouse scene is Anatoly goes to Martha Kent before Batman arrives, and he says, every time we say goodbye, we die a little. Do you guys know why he says that? Just some cool Russian shit to say. (laughs) Maybe. Zach? (laughs) 
I, I don't know. I have no idea. Is this a James Bond reference? Uh, it is not, actually. It, nor is it a Russian saying. It is actually... Whoops. I knocked over my Batfleck thing. Uh, it is actually uh, planted earlier in the movie when Lois gets kidnapped and she sees Anatoly as the janitor. The song playing is Every Time We Say Goodbye. With the lyrics, Every Time We Say Goodbye, I, We Die a Little. He's actually quoting the music that he was listening to when they kidnapped Lois. Hmm. That's why. Okay. So that's planted earlier. I didn't. I honestly did not catch that until like maybe the third or fourth time that I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, because I always wondered like, why does he say that to her? I'm like, oh, it's because of that, and so it probably ties into him just. But even even if so, it's kind of kind of weak ultimately, right? That one little element, like it's. I- I mean, so he quotes a song. It sounds kind of cool. But I'm just giving it, a tidbit here, do? Andrew. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's super symbolic <laughs> or that I would write it. I'm just letting you know because <laughs> we didn't really pick up on it. But yeah, no, I, I agree in a way. I'm like, okay, so what? He's quoting a song. But since I was, especially when it's, you go on YouTube, if you want to rewatch the warehouse scene, a lot of times you see that part in the beginning. I was like, why does he say that? And then like when I rewatched the movie, I'm like, oh, he's quoting that song. Cool. And so, I thought it's something. It's better than nothing, I guess. (laughs) I gotta say, um, (laughs) Batman. Batman takes that armor off really quick. Oh, I know. Once he's in the Batwing, yeah, he's like like, back. (laughs) Yeah, to take that trash can armor off, I just can't imagine. Is there something in the back of the plane that's like a robot arms are coming out? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he's got an iron. They didn't show that. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit in the cockpit with the armor. (laughs) That's what I. That's what I would. Right, but he he takes it off so fast. I'm like. Surely that was hard to get on in the first place. I'll save Martha. Man, you know, part <laughs> part of the Batman preparation is quick release. That's right. Steel armor. <laughs> Everything falls off. Yeah. I'll save Martha, but I need an hour to take off the armor. <laughs> Give me a second, Clark. <laughs> maybe if you could help me out a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> be, maybe... The, You're quick, right? Come on. Surely Alfred tipped him up. <laughs> This is go- this is getting into Bruce and Clark fan. I really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Could you please get me out of this? Not Batman yeah. Superman fan fiction. Bruce and Clark fan fiction. Uh, can we give an automatic point to the warehouse scene in terms of the Batman fights in here? Why they? I think we already know the answer. Why they regarded as the greatest Batman yes. fight scene put on film? Uh, pretty much. I remember when I was listening to an audio cassette of it was batman versus two-face and riddler and there were adaptations of the origins of two-face and riddler and at one point robin described batman as a martial arts demon and i was like that sounds so badass i don't think i've really seen that very well in the movies and then this pretty much brings that to life i would say uh as i said in the first part we have uh damon caro the man who played joe chill and killed bruce wayne's parents in the opening of the movie he was the second unit director who directed uh and coordinated this fight so we have him to think on this so snyder didn't technically direct this fight scene that's pretty common actually mm-hmm. uh for a second unit to take over uh action sequences uh even real big ones like i know remember mr and mrs mm-hmm. smith the famous scene where they're both yeah, the shooting key. over each other's yeah, yeah. shoulders second unit mm-hmm. director wasn't even the yeah. main guy the most iconic shot in a fucking movie. Like, this this happens a lot. This happens quite a lot. Well, S- Snyder's still getting the point. So that's Snyder. I know. No, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, it, it, it is. He is. Snyder had to okay yeah. all. Snyder being the director, he has to okay yeah, all yeah, this yeah. as well. So uh, Snyder 13, yeah. Critics 19. See, he's catching up. We got some 
I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to take away anything from Snyder. <laughs> I just wanted to bring up movie trivia, everybody. That's all. Um, the first, yeah. the first time you're like, he didn't have anything to do with the Bill Finger credit, and now you're just like, wait, it was second unit. First, first <laughs> like, you were on the train, and now you're on the attack. <laughs> I know. I was on the Snyder. No, I'm still on it. I, I, yes. I don't know. But yes, that was. It's, it's the best. I think. Uh, you know, they they looked at Arkham, right? I mean, they looked at the Arkham games. It feels very Arkham esque. You, know? you see YouTube edits of people putting some. Sometimes they put the Arkham unit, uh, Arkham music in it, and other times they put like the different graphics uh, that you would see whenever you like knock out the criminals and all those uh, little graphic stuff. So it's it's awesome that they do that. It's definitely influenced. It's smart. I mean, you could be like they were probably in the room writing. They're like, "What's the best Batman fight scene ever?" Well, it's actually in the games, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's yeah. true. So let's just borrow that for mm-hmm. this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody thinks this isn't the best one. You know, how is? I mean, this is something no one really wasn't great at. And Keaton, just they just weren't there yet No, uh, with fight no. scenes in general. Like, this, this is just really stand out. Uh, I, f- I feel like most people... Well, Adam West. Asked, well, yes, Adam West is still <laughs> naturally the best. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> the Dark the Dark Knight trilogy, if you ask them what was the best fight that Batman was in, most of them point to the one where Bane breaks his back. Not exactly the best showcase, oh, okay. but definitely in terms of just a scene, in terms of tension, I agree, but not in terms... It was badass as But fuck. not mm. in terms of a showcase of Batman's skills. If anything, it's not a showcase at all of uh, Batman's skills right. in that because he's he's basically... Bane's playing him like a fucking fiddle in that one in terms of using his rage against him. So uh, that's unfortunate. But here it kind of makes up for that. Uh, and it does, however... Did you guys did you guys get the goosebumps whenever you heard Mr. Wayne in the, <laughs> uh, in the trailer? But when that came out, it was just like Tom Hardy yeah. like doing Tom Hardy yeah. Bane shit. I was just like, oh, shit, shit it's about to go down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was uh-huh. real hyped for that... When that trailer came out, anyway, it's that it's fight is probably game. one of the best parts of the movie outside of the you know the climb. The climb is my favorite part, but the the fight itself is probably the best action sequence in the in the movie. Maybe even in the maybe even in the trilogy. Uh, and I'd still like uh, Batman saving the hostages from the SWAT team at the end of the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but that's more of just him running around. Is less of a fight scene so much as just a big rescue sort of thing. But it's still awesome. Right. Uh, there is one big criticism of the warehouse scene, however, and it's because of the fact that Batman still kills after this. So the critics bring up if Batman is supposed to regain his humanity after uh, realizing that he and Clark, you know, that Clark is a human being, he still kills the guys outside the warehouse uh, and inside the warehouse. As Zach and I talked about, we know that, uh, you know, he at least kills one or two guys during the fight. He throws the crate at that one dude in the Ultimate Edition and his, <laughs> his brains are on the wall. Uh, afterwards, <laughs> uh, worse, it doesn't even. He, you don't even need the part where he shoots the guys outside the warehouse to death. He can literally just, you know, stealth in and parachute down onto the roof if need be, uh, or he drops like tear gas pellets on them, like any any sort of things. We didn't need him firing them down with machine guns, according to the critics on this. Um, Snyder has his own stuff on it, so we will do a uh, beat for beat discussion on this because he has his own little rant about why he allowed Batman to kill, especially in this part. So uh, let's get into it. I tried to do it in a technical way. There's a great YouTube video that shows all the kills in the Christopher Nolan movies 
even when we would perceive them as movies where he doesn't kill anyone. I think there's 42 potential kills that Batman does. Also, it goes back and includes even the Tim Burton Batman movies where this reputation as a guy that doesn't kill comes from. Okay, so first off, Tim Burton's Batman movies as the place where like he's a guy who doesn't kill? I don't <laughs> think so. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Burton's Batman famously killed, and before anybody brings up... <laughs> yes. Anybody brings up, like, only Snyder gets criticized for it. I'm like, no, hell no. Even before the Nolan movies came up, I was there. I saw fans were just like, we want a Batman who doesn't kill anybody, unlike Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. People did have issues with it even back then on it. They just weren't as vocal uh, on it, and also probably because Keaton, even Keaton, wasn't nearly as vicious as, as Affleck, I would say, in terms of killing people. Uh, I'd say the reputation that he doesn't kill people comes from the Nolan films, even though he did flat-out kill people in that. I don't think there's 42 kills in the Nolan trilogy, though. I think at yeah. most there's maybe, like, five. Like, if we were to count Two-Face, Talia, and her driver... And then maybe during the Dark Knight action sequence where he basically flattens the top of a truck. Uh, I don't really count Roz so much. If you do, that's like one person. And then I don't really count the monastery where uh, he accidentally sets it on fire because I don't think he was deliberate in doing Doesn't that. He- that was a big deal at the time, right? But the people, the the killing, the the burning down the monastery. Yeah. I remember people like they, people talking about the Batman kill rule, rule at that mm-hmm. point as as well. And that one's a little tough to judge, I think. We might have talked about this before in the, in the uh, Batman Begins. In our Batman Begins ep- but it's just like, that is a monastery full of <laughs> the most trained ninjas in right. the world in which the major, one of the major skill sets is escaping a place. Uh, so I, I almost give that one a pass. Yeah, that one in particular. Me too. I'm kind of like, I don't think he really wanted, I don't think he planned to set the place on fire. He just wanted to get the... Uh, brand out of the way then again why would he do that i don't know i don't think he strategically was just like if i do this it'll burn down the monastery and kill everybody (laughs) as opposed to uh i think batfleck if he were in that role the batfleck in this version uh in that role he would probably you know if he could make a flamethrower he would use that yep he'd be breaking necks (laughs) stomping on face on his way out (laughs) yeah it's a little different isn't it yeah yeah so i mean i'm calling an accuracy on this one uh but let's continue the quote so, I tried to do it by proxy. Shoot the car they're in, the car blows up, where the grenade would go off in the guy's hand, and when he shoots the tank, and the guy pretty much lights the tank himself, I perceive it as him not killing directly. But, if the bad guys are associated with a thing that happens to blow up, he would say, that's not really my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so... If somebody's in a car and I shoot at the car, I'm like, oh, that's not my problem when the people inside get shot? Shouldn't have been driving anyways. <laughs> like, I perceive it as him not killing directly, but it goes in, it blows up the car, though, right? And it's directly that person's fault, right? Yeah, like, for, I think there's, there's certain places where I get where he's going with. Like, the part where the guy in the middle of the warehouse fight comes up with a grenade and he basically... Uh, he throws the battering and stuff, and the guy goes away and accidentally gets blown up by the grenade. I wouldn't say Batfleck was like, if I do this, he's going to fall back and he's going to get blown up. But I think he's just basically trying to get him uh, I like incapacitated. That part. Yeah, I don't think that... I think that counts in terms of what Snyder's talking about. 
but some of this other stuff, like he flat out mows the guys outside of the warehouse down with machine guns. You can't just be like, well, I shot at the gun. If the gunman gets shot due to my wild firing, that's his problem. Like, no, you should likely know that the guy's going to get killed by that. Those are rubber bullets. He doesn't oh. say it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it Maybe if Alfred was just like, what are you doing, sir? And then he's just like, rubber bullets, honest. Then you get the, the quote from Dark Knight Returns, but we didn't even get, yeah. get that. <laughs> oh, well. So... He, Here's this last part. A little more like manslaughter than murder. Although I would say that in Frank Miller's comic book that I reference, he kills all the time. There's a scene from the graphic novel where he busts through a wall, takes the guy's machine gun. I took that little vignette from a scene in The Dark Knight Returns. And at the end of that, he shoots the guy right between the eyes with the machine gun. One shot. Of course, I went to the gas tank, and all of the guys I work with were like, you've got to shoot him in the head, because they're all comic book dorks. And I was like, I'm not going to be the guy that does that. Okay, so... Wow. Uh, actually, Zach, did you want to go into this? Because I know you talked about this in an earlier episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, this is something I did speak about earlier, and... Other than the scene that he mentions, I did not see any other scenes in the comic where Batman is killing anybody. And I just thought that was so weird that he says he's killing people all the time in the comic. Like, maybe he just read a different version than I did or interpreted things differently. But yeah, that's that was really weird to me, especially at the end whenever he's converting the sons of Batman over to, you know, work for him, essentially, and fight mm -hmm. for him. And he takes their guns away and breaks them and says, this is the weapon of the enemy. You know, right. that that was really cool to me. That's what I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that scene, maybe during the break, I'll go and grab the comic book and find that panel because I feel like it's very uh, vague. It's off panel. You don't see the bullet go into the guy's head. Now, no. I may, you may correct me. I may be part of the corrections department later, but I'm going to look at that picture because <laughs> I don't think you actually see it. You do not. So, but you're you're a fan that's read it a lot of times, mm -hmm. right? And yes. you've never really got the uh, impression that he's killing throughout that entire comic. No. Not even once, really. That's not how. Even if, even if that was the intention from the author, that's not what you got after reading it a million times. No. So that I think that can say something in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And this is all, a lot of about, what aboutism. I think right. uh, from Snyder's, Snyder's well, part. To be fair, if he is adapting that moment. Uh, it does actually have a legit comparison on that compared to some of the other what about isms we've talked about, like Wonder Woman eighty four, uh, on the between that and right, uh, right, right. what was it big? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> when it comes to Snyder versus critics, Zach, are you saying critics for this one in terms of Batman killing during the warehouse scene? I have to now. <laughs> <laughs> I've already. I can't defend it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. I'm gonna go critics. I mean, I, I, there is something to be said about uh, an artist really just having his own vision, no matter what mm -hmm. the fans say. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm starting to respect that more now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, coming to respect Snyder more. Like Batman usually doesn't kill. Ninety-nine percent of the time in the comics does not kill. Snyder's like, well, my Batman kind of does. He's the one percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the he's the one percent, and it's like. 
I mean, it's totally against the comics and, and everything, but I mean, I think I'm not that I, I still don't prefer it, but I'm starting to kind of understand it. I guess right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but, but, but I, I can just see like the, these characters are open to interpretation and this is just how Snyder sees it. He likes being real badass and Batman killing people. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. And I know probably a lot of listeners don't like don't like that, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I'm still going with critics technically. Right, right. But I I, 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 I can see where Snyder's coming from. Uh, so I'm going to dive a little bit into the Dark Knight Returns thing as well as the role of Batflex arc, how this is supposed to play into Batflex arc. So first off, for the Dark Knight Returns thing, Zach, uh, as someone who has also read the Dark Knight Returns maybe about as much as you have, no, there is no shot of the bullet going between the mutant's eyes. I, if he's mixing that up with anybody, I believe it's probably the panel where Carrie Kelly uses a slingshot on Joker's henchman, uh, the guy who looks like Humpty Dumpty, and it goes like on his forehead. Yeah. But it doesn't kill that guy. He gets killed for other reasons otherwise. But yeah. he, that's probably the, the part that he's referencing. The a specific shot is the mutant against the wall of blood, what looks like the shoulder. And as a kid, I also thought, okay, oh, shit, maybe Batman killed that person. But it is left ambiguous. It's not shooting a de- gas tank that causes Anatoly to burn to death, which I would argue is probably a more violent death than getting shot. Um, but... For The Dark Knight Returns, if you look at the overall narrative, I would say he probably only shot the mutant in the shoulder using the weapon that was at his disposal. Again, he's established that he doesn't like guns beforehand and afterwards, so I doubt that he would just use that to just flat out mow the mutant down. I think more likely he wounds them, and he only uses the gun because it's like right there in the guy's hand, uh, and it's the quickest thing to get him to drop the baby uh, in that moment. The main reason why I say that is because the police don't go after Batman or consider him a murderer until after Joker dies. And it's believed that Joker is killed by Batman. Now, there's a bit of debate on whether Batman did kill Joker because he pretty much put him, like, paralyzed him by snapping most of the neck. And Joker kind of just finished himself off on that. You could argue if it was really Batman responsible for that, for putting Joker in there for the first place. But... Uh, still, that that means that the police didn't regard any previous stuff as Batman killing anybody. Uh, and also, even after that moment, because that takes place in uh, part two of The Dark Knight Returns. In part three, when Batman is in disguise and he helps out a store owner fight, uh, basically, I think it was, uh, yeah, the two guys who are working for, uh, working for the Nazi woman. The guy, the store owner is about to shoot one of the guys, and Batman's like, pull the trigger, and I'm coming for you next. So, like, he doesn't even support other people shooting criminals on that. So, that plus the part four section where he's talking about these are the weapons of the enemy and all that, I would say he likely, if we're just going to read into the full context, he likely did not shoot that mutant in that panel. He likely just wounded that person in the shoulder. Uh, Notably, whenever they adapted that in the DCAU, as well as the animated movie, they did a different route uh, on that than what's in the comic. So I think that's interesting. Um, in terms of this playing into Batflex arc, because it's just like, as Andrew differentiated, like there's a difference between you as a fan wanting the character to be a certain way versus what the director's vision is. If we look at all the inputs of director's vision, the director's vision is that Batman is losing his moral compass until he has this encounter with Superman. And that sort of forces him back on the straight and narrow. However, it would have been more powerful than if you had Batman deliberately not killing here. 
afterwards or made it more, you know, if the whole idea is to make it more of a hero, then it should feel more heroic. There's a great video online, and I'll probably put it, you know, I'll probably link it in the comment section or something. Somebody put uh, the Dark Knight score over the warehouse fight, and specifically the track Like a Dog Chasing Cars, which is like the more heroic Batman theme that was actually cut from the Dark Knight. But it f plays great when you see the warehouse scene as a, in context of Batman's a hero again, and he's here not to, you know, get high off of putting criminals in the hospital or in the morgue. Death. But he's here to, to save not only a human being, but somebody who he sees as his opportunity to save his mom. This is another chance to save his own mom because this is also another Martha. This is also another mother. And it's it feels fantastic when you watch it. It's not the actual score of the movie. The, the movie score is great fight scene music, but it's not necessarily heroic music. And I was like, how awesome would this have been, though, if they had that, if you felt almost the heroism in that, if that was the whole intention was for this encounter for Superman to change Batman in that way. Unfortunately, we don't really see much of a change other than the fact that Batman has decided to be on Superman's side this time. He has not completely turned around on it. So I would say that it, it kind of muddles the arc further, you could say, in terms of if he was supposed to be somebody who was morally becoming morally bankrupt earlier and then sort of regains himself afterwards, you should see him making an attempt to go back to the way he was before, to go back to being the hero he was uh, before all this stuff happened. And we don't really see that at all in the sequence. So as much as we love the warehouse sequence, I got to give this one to the critics in terms of this specific criticism. So that brings us to Snyder 13, critics 20. So that would mean <coughs> warehouse scene as a whole gets a point, but the, him killing in the warehouse scene is a point to critics. Right, so it washes out, kind of. <laughs> okay. yeah. We're trying our best here. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the best out of all Batman live mm -hmm. action ever. It's just the number one fi best fight scene mm -hmm. we've ever seen across everything. So, yeah. uh, I mean, even probably animated, the only <laughs> thing it gets beaten by is maybe the Arkham video game. That's because it gets ridiculous in the game. It's like, <laughs> right. You know, it's right. a video game, so it's like nuts. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. This scene afterwards with Bruce and Martha uh, is the only time that we see Bruce and Martha together. But funny enough, Ben Affleck and Diane Lane were lovers in Hollywoodland. So Ben Affleck played, funny enough, George Reeves, the actor who played Superman. And Diane Lane was his lover, Tony Mannix. And during the time of his casting, people obviously did memes of uh, Affleck and Diane Lane's characters in bed together to piss off Superman in the yes. memes. So... <laughs> That movie was all right. I recommend everybody to go see that if you like this kind of shit. It's not a superhero movie. It is a superhero, uh, what do you call it, historical. The guy that, George Reeve, mm -hmm. Reeves, mm -hmm. uh, it, Ben Affleck's playing him. Mm -hmm. And it's about uh, his uh, death that could have, that some people say is murder, but no one really knows. It probably mm -hmm. was just suicide. But, uh, yeah, it was okay. What you? I mean, quick tangent real quick. What did you think of that movie, Ben? Uh, I remember enjoying it, but also being a little frustrated we didn't get answers. Yeah. But then it's also like, should we get answers? Because it is a real-life thing that doesn't have answers to it, I think. Yeah, it's it's open. Yeah. It was also right during the time where Ben Affleck was turning around his image. Because beforehand, it was like, you know, yeah. people were just like, Geely and Jersey Girl, what a fucking twit. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it was like, hey, like this guy can actually do real drama if you give him the chance. And yeah. I don't think I was picturing him as Batman at the time, but funny enough, he is probably the only actor to have put on a Superman suit and a Batman suit on film. Right. 
Have you seen it, Zach? I have not. I know about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's okay. I reckon. Yeah, it's good. We'll uh, probably do episodes on George Reeves coming up sometime. Uh, right. Maybe not later this year, but the year after. I don't know. We'll see. We've got a lot to cover uh, on a lot of things. We're on the Snyder train. We're on the right Snyder train, so we'll be on there All for a while. Board, motherfucker. <laughs> so, Get on it. <laughs> let's then go into. I teased this before in previous episodes, but we get to. From the warehouse scene, we go to Superman confronting Lex, and Lex reveals that he's created Doomsday, and this is his end game for his plan. So, this is our last Snyder versus Critics before the break. Is Lex Luthor's plan overall has been criticized as being overly complicated? And if you need a refresher on it, I'm going to go into the entire plan with as le- the least amount of editorializing possible. So, <clears throat> let's go into it. Lex oh, Luthor man. has an abusive childhood, his dad beats him. And that makes him see that anyone with power will always abuse it. Cut to 2013 or so. Superman arrives, destroys Metropolis during the thing. Well, Zod destroys Metropolis, but the fight destroys parts of Metropolis and stuff. And Lex sees Superman's existence as an example of somebody with power. can't possibly be all good. So he decides to kill him. And uh, he does that by doing the following. Number one, find out the identities of Superman, Batman, as well as Aquaman, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, and Flash. Uh, sit on all of that information and do not directly do anything to these metahumans. Instead, number two, uh, frame Superman for killing people in Africa by putting Lois Lane in danger, then having Anatoly out CIA agent Jimmy Olsen, and then uh, shoot and burn people to death to try to frame Superman, as well as have that one lady lie to uh, Congress that her family was murdered. This will then get Superman a congressional hearing to find out what happened. Number three, pay off prisoners to kill anyone with a Batman brand so that it will somehow capture reporter Clark Kent's attention as well. And on top of that, send pictures of the dead bodies to Clark Kent, even though Clark Kent is a sports reporter. You would think Clark would have been so distracted by his name getting dragged through the mud that he wouldn't care, but let me cut out the editorializing and continue. Number four, convince Congress to give him the import license so he can get a shipment of kryptonite over to him. Even though when they reject the the when they reject the shipment and the import license, he smuggles it in anyway. Uh, also, give him access to the body of General Zod. Number five: invite Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent to the same party in hopes that they meet, so they can size each other up uh, and find some reason to talk to each other, in spite of the fact that Clark does not know who Bruce Wayne is. Six: recruit Wallace Keefe into being an accidental suicide bomber and witness the congressional hearing to make Superman look bad for not stopping the bombing in case the wheelchair and lead so superman doesn't know to stop it and then blow it up as revenge on the senators and make superman look bad number seven send fake messages as wallace keith including you let your family die to bruce so that bruce would then connect that to the congressional hearing and the trauma of it to his the trauma of his parents and want to fight superman and steal a kryptonite from lex number eight kidnap martha and lois to convince clark to fight batman to the death uh and uh, basically if Batman kills Superman, that's the end of the job. But if Superman kills Batman, people can see the fraud that Superman is because he killed Batman. Uh, number nine, hope that Superman doesn't explain to Batman that his mom was kidnapped. Number ten, create Doomsday from Zod's body in case Batman fails. He does say that Doomsday bends to his will. So he is in control as far as he's concerned of this monster. What does he plan to do with this Doomsday if... Uh, you know, once Doomsday does kill Superman, or what was he planning to do with Doomsday if Batman did kill Superman? We do not know. But that is Lex Luthor's plan. What do you think? Let's start with Zach. Yeah. Ooh, that was a lot. I started to zone out a <laughs> yeah. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write it. Uh, I know. Um, I think it really 
it falls apart a lot and it really falls apart with the doomsday thing because uh yeah it's like wh why did he even make them fight in the first place if he was just going to get doom if he was just going to create doomsday to kill superman surely doomsday could kill batman too if he did want to kill batman and then for me i know we talked about this one of his main motivations is that he doesn't trust something like superman an alien that's godlike that's all powerful being in that universe and now he's gone and created doomsday which is essentially a mutated kryptonian which i forgot that he said that doomsday bends to his will but does he have to like stand directly in front of him and shout to him or like i don't know what the connection is there but he does give weird. him his blood he's his blood of my blood so he does have the blood of doomsday yeah. in him however doomsday does try to kill him so yeah. I don't think Lex was very successful when it came to having, creating a creature that bends to his will. Yeah, I think it's just like it. I don't know if he just is. I mean, he is insane, but I don't know if that just kind of like the insanity portion of his plan just totally canceled everything out. And he made a chaotic monster that he can't control that is even worse than Superman that has the same, uh, not even the same abilities, but the uh, more advanced abilities like he could not be killed you know he's mm -hmm. developing his little bone armor things every time that he gets right. hit or hurt so it's just yeah it's so convoluted especially as we talked about if all he has to do to get superman to fight batman is kidnap lois then what's the point of all this other stuff yep <laughs> yeah that's so, exactly right yes. <laughs> to sow the seeds of doubt i don't understand yep andrew it's it's confusing as hell. It's <laughs> overcomplicated. He's playing 4D chess. I mean, it's just like it's because you're just not, not smart enough to know the plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's just way 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 too much. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously it needs to be simplified quite a bit. I mean, even we probably went over this before in the last one, but it, just like the the pictures that he gives, like you killed your family, like. Batman really does know that his family was shot right in front of him in that alleyway. That's what I'm thinking. Like, he does. who does he think he, what family got killed? You know, what, Jack? That we don't <laughs> Jack, know at all? Jack, yeah, it's Jack. Come on, man. Jack's is, the reason why Batman wants to kill Superman in this. I, it just, Most important the character thing, in the Batman mythos, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is wrong. <laughs> Should have been Morgan Freeman. The, the crossover. Yes. <laughs> Um, who is secretly God. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, the other one, like, all he has to do is tell him, uh, you know, uh, that he, that his mother was kidnapped by Lex Luthor to kind of end that fight immediately. Mm -hmm. doesn't, have to, doesn't, have to, doesn't have to say Martha. Mm -hmm. But may, maybe he's chalking it up to, like, dudes just want to fight and they already don't like each other and it's a little bit toxic, toxic masculinity <clears throat> in there, so they're not going to talk about it, mm -hmm. which I kind of kind of can see that point. But it's... Uh, but just overall, all, I mean, look at what you just read. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm done with this. I yeah, mean, yeah, yes, yeah. It's, 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 it's too, it's way too much. Don't you think, Ben? I mean, you're, you're the screenwriter here. I mean, it's general, generally, it's much, much simpler than this, right? Let, let me put it this way Man of Steel had a morally ambiguous villain, a reimagining of a classic villain. Uh, with an understandable motive and understandable plan. He was going to terraform Earth so that he can recreate his lost home. Boom, That's baby. all you need. 
on this. Uh, I want a new home. The fact that I had to spend two minutes breaking <laughs> down this entire plan and you guys were just like, we zoned out on that, I think says a lot uh, on it. So... <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, it's just so fucking long. Like, the, wait, let's compare that one more time. <laughs> Zod wants a new home. Yes. Boom, we're done. Yes. And then that fucking like three-page manifesto <laughs> you just read. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So, diving into it, Lex now has the he gets access to Kryptonite the first time that we meet him. He knows that it can kill Superman, but instead of using it to kill Superman, he decides to manipulate Batman to go up against him, somehow knowing the identity of both of them. Already, there's already a lot of, like, holes that haven't been explained here. Maybe you don't necessarily need to go into how he knows about Clark and Superman are, I mean, are the same person, or Bruce and Batman are the same person. But in terms of pitting Batman and Superman against each other, I'm like, you got trained mercenaries like Anatoly and stuff. You're telling me you can't do this inner gang type of thing where you can give them kryptonite and have them kill Superman? Or does it have to be an example thing where he wants Batman to uh, be killed by Superman and Superman to be disgraced? But then again, Superman already killed Zod in the previous movie and nobody's really given him shit for that. And Batman's already been revealed to be kind of a controversial figure anyway. So Superman killing Batman wouldn't really cause people to do that. You got this whole Africa framing incident, which doesn't really work once you know that you know Lois Lane catches on to the fact that they were shot uh, on that. You got this whole prisoners thing of the branding thing, which isn't really that necessary because Clark Kent isn't really even assigned to do it. He's just kind of randomly gets distracted by that story when he's trying to investigate the African lady. And uh, as Zach brought up, like you don't even need that because he basically just needs to get his mom kidnapped in order to to get Clark to go up against Batman. If anything, Lex should just be framing Superman to push Batman to kill Superman, not try to manipulate both Superman and Batman if all he needs to do is kidnap Superman's mom when it's the big night. Uh, and then, as we talked about, the con- congressional hearing with the bombing is convoluted because it's not like he framed Superman to blow up Congress. That would be a big thing. He framed Superman for not preventing a bombing, uh, which is kind of a very weird and convoluted thing in and of itself, as we talked about last time. Uh, so there's just so many different things, and I didn't even get to Doomsday yet, but let's just put it this way. <laughs> in the animated adaptations, whether Superman, Doomsday, or the death of Superman, Lex's main involvement with Doomsday is accidentally uncovering him. Lex doesn't deliberately create a Doomsday. He just thinks, oh, I could use this thing or whatever, and it just gets out of control. But it's not that he thinks that he can create it because the Lex Luthor that's presented to us is, as Lex said, somebody who doesn't trust power, doesn't like power. And maybe there was a whole point there about hypocrisy in, this, in the sense that he doesn't trust anyone with power but himself unless he wants to be the one with that power. But again, that isn't brought up either the doomsday thing seems like it's got a lot of holes in terms of just like what was he going to do with doomsday if batman succeeded in killing superman he's be like oh this is awkward because i got to kill you now to doomsday because i don't need you like what was his plan on that did he have a backup on that what was he going to do with doomsday after it killed superman unless he thought superman and doomsday were going to kill each other how much of a 4d chess player is this guy he already knows all the identities he knows that superman and doomsday are going to kill each other it's uh it's convoluted, and let's not even get to the point where he is talking to Steppenwolf in the Ultimate Edition. Does that mean he was working with Steppenwolf? Was Steppenwolf oh, just right. warning him? We'll find out in the Zack Snyder's Steppen- Justice League. I but- think Steppenwolf may be using him, because as smart as Lex is, I think Lex is <clears throat> Steppenwolf's pawn. 
is this then an Avengers type yeah. thing where Loki was under the influence of the stone through Thanos and was really acting I, out of character? I think there's something sort of along those lines, yes. We'll have to see when <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League comes out. But for right now, as of this current plan, it's convoluted as fuck, and it's going to the critics. Critics 21, Snyder wow. 13, and we are going to the break to finish this off. Woo! We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese, it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. You can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. And so, Pito and Magneto head to the Burrito Palace. Welcome to the Burrito Palace. Can I take your order? Yes, I would like a bean burrito. And my friend here, what would you like? Hey, man, I would like 12 burritos, two bean, two carne asada, two lingua, trace cabasis, and then four pollos. 12 burritos? Pito. Man, all that flying via my belt buckle really took it out of me, man. Took it out of you. I was the one who flew us. You just had to lie there. I was using a lot of core strength the whole time. And I'm just got a hankering for south of the border, man. Very well. I'll have two more burritos. What kind of burrito you want, man? Well, I'm vegetarian, so I'll make them bean as well. Man, you one of those types? Oh, man. What? All right, I guess. What do you mean, one of those types? I mean, I guess you're cool and whatnot, but I mean, this is not my way. I'd like to get that lingua. All right, anyway, so that'll be uh, a total of quince burritos, my man. All right, that'll be 15 burritos. Do you want any drinks? Yeah, man, do you have any uh, tequila? This is a fast food place. We don't have any tequila. We got fountain drinks, water, and tea. Yeah, man, I'll get a sweet tea. We don't have any sweet tea. This is not the southeastern United States. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're the southwest, not the southeast, what I'm used to. Uh, so, yeah, get me, uh, let me get a uh, Coca-Cola. And what do you have, uh, big man? Let's see. Would you believe me if I've never had soda before? Actually, I, I, I find that really believable, man. Okay, so two drinks and then 15 burritos. Yes. That'll be $400. $400? What kind of establishment is this burrito palace? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. $40. Oh, man. I had a fucking heart attack there for a second. Just give them one gold bar, Pito. We'll be done with it. I mean, you think that's okay? We won't miss them. Yeah, sure. Why not? The burritos will be worth it. Here you go. One gold bar, senor. Seems like way more than $40, but I'm taking it. I quit this job. See you later. You did not give us our burritos. I just work at the front. Adios. I'm going to make money in the cryptocurrency market now. Hey, man, that guy's got the right idea. And then finally, they get their burritos. Let's go on down to Westview. You're having 12 of them, so I'm going to face you that way downwind. Alright, well let me fart out a few and then let's just get on to it, boy. This linguist, these cabezas, riding in your guts. I'm just gonna have you that way, 
So the farts go in that direction. No problem, man. And here we go. Drop trowel a little bit and relieve myself over Colorado. Thank God you're behind me. Hey, man, can you sing a whole new world for me real quick? Very well. I can show you the world. Shining, Shining shimmering, shimmering splendid. 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 Tell me, princess. Oh, man. I'm the princess. You are, Pito. You are. Thanks, man. This is beautiful. All right, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news. Plus, we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes basically consider it superhouse dlc hi first time caller long time listener i love superhero stuff you should know now that i have you on the line i've got to ask what's your favorite scary movie and we're back to finish off Batman vs. Superman, Snyder vs. Critics. And I thought I would start with a bit of a detour real quick on another thing we can do Snyder vs. Critics on that we haven't talked about. The title. So Woo. when it was first announced that Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice was the title, it was a little controversial because A, people weren't expecting the Dawn of Justice subtitle. They thought Some thought that that was a little too cheesy or made it too long. And then the V was a little controversial because they're like, why don't they spell V right? Uh, the V alone versus the versus VS is probably mostly because of uh, the VS is used for battles, whereas the V on its own, the letter, is used for like legal battles. And I believe that was deliberate on Snyder's part. He wanted it to seem like, yes, it is a battle, but it's also a battle of the different ideals or different morals or more of a battle on a philosophical level that's why they only really have one fight in this entire three-hour movie uh because it's not just about the conflict of hand-to-hand combat so much as it's a, a conflict of well as we've analyzed misunderstandings thanks to the manipulations of lex luther but still uh it's it's more of a a philosophical type of debate sort of thing so did you have any issues with the title? Should we give this one to Snyder? Let's start with Zach. I don't. It didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think it should be uh, Batman v Superman. Lex gets the lead together because <laughs> it's all Lex. <laughs> Lex's league. Yeah. Uh, Lex's Lex's league. league. You're right. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, it, it didn't bother me. I know that if they, if Warner Brothers was probably not pushing Snyder so hard to go ahead and set up the justice league. Then I think it would, it would be perfectly fine for just to be Batman V Superman, Mm -hmm. but they got to toss in the Dawn of justice because they're like on a, a freight train race to get justice league out there to compete with Marvel. But overall, yeah, it doesn't really bother me. It didn't irk me at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Andrew. I don't like it. I really don't. I think it's, it's one of the easiest <laughs> yeah. things that could have been corrected. Oh, uh, uh, what part of it? The VS is so... Dude, you want to knock out, drag out Brawl. I mean, really, this is the two top comic book you know, heroes of all time, pretty much. Uh, so iconic. And, you know, we're talking about philosophy with the V or legal battle. Like, that doesn't yes. come across at all in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, it's it's more of manipulations of Lex than 
uh, philosophies about justice and stuff like that. Lex but. has some bullshit that's like sort of hints at it a little bit, but it's still like right. not great. I think it's a what do you call it? it, it it's it's a it's a disappointment to the fans. I think it, it's just such an easy hit. It should have been it should have been a knockout of the park. It should have been a. We're low, talking about the title specifically. I'm bad at sports, but some sort of low ball thing, whatever the fuck it is, it should have been an easy hit, an easy fucking touchdown, whatever the fuck it is. I'm really struggling. Just Batman here. versus Superman. You're saying as the title that would have been the easy. If you added that S, it would have done so much for me. I mean, it's it's the title of the movie. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's everywhere. This V period, it breaks it up to the period, breaks it up for me. I know it's kind of granular in a sense, but it's nitpicky as hell and for probably some people. But I do, I do not like it. I echo the thoughts of the internet on this one. <laughs> I didn't uh, know you felt this strongly about the S. I, I, I do. I really do because versus ba- it's a it's a fucking battle movie, man. The versus is iconic uh, spelling, I think, and uh, it's is easily understood in all languages. Uh, well, most most people across the world, I'd say. And uh, I know, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> I, yeah, I just I just don't think it lands. It doesn't stick the landing at all. This okay. whole like battle of uh, of wits, battle of uh, philosophy or whatever, it, it doesn't come across in the movie whatsoever. What if it was just called Batman Superman what World's you- Finest? That that hints at them working together. If it was, yeah, just assuming that that's what it was. I mean, they do work together for five minutes in this. It would have so. been. It would have been. Uh, maybe that would have been a little better. Maybe. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we get one thing, and you know, again, a lot of this might not even be Snyder. You know, everybody thinks it's everything Snyder's fault. I mean, right. I think sometimes the fucking marketing department will name a movie. You know, mm-hmm. it'll that you know maybe in this case that's what happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I wasn't at the fucking meetings, but it's entirely possible. Like we say in the Snyder versus critics, but so, some of this stuff, especially in a, the biggest right. tentpole movie of that year for the studio, Warner Brothers. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and it's not all Snyder's fault. So mm-hmm. um, I, we're simplifying it for the for the purposes of the podcast, but I don't like the S either. I don't like the S not being there either. Right, so, right, right. Uh, gotcha. So, so, yeah. Gotcha. What uh, do you think about Dawn of Justice? It seems like, it, it seems like that is a marketing thing, again, from producers. Maybe Snyder wanted to do that. Maybe Snyder and Terrio said, this is what we want to do for sure. We want to get to Justice League. But it just has the stench. (laughs) Just everybody's suspicion is that they were just trying to hustle towards Justice League versus uh, versus Avengers at the box office. And so they rushed rushed towards this. So... uh, and and it makes it it makes it muddy because it you know we get this one fight between the two top characters which it should have been the whole movie and then we get what feels like an extended epilogue really the third mm-hmm. act really feels like an extended epilogue it doesn't feel like a third act in a way it feels like it's dangling off the edge you know and it's just it's you mean it's when Doomsday little... shows up yeah because they do need to rescue Martha they do need to do it I I don't know it just feels like. If I had my druthers, I would not druther that. But I, <laughs> I, I, just, don't, I, don't lo- I don't like it. What if it was just Batman versus VS Superman? That's it. As a title, it would have been way better. Simple just works a lot better generally. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you're in luck because in an upcoming episode, we're going to do 
BVS versus BVS, we will be putting this movie against Batman versus Superman vs. The Wolfgang Peterson unmade script oh, yeah. uh, that was supposed to be made way back when. That script and compare leaked? the two. You read that one? I have that one. Yeah. Oh shit! We're gonna go I'm into it. I'm looking forward so to that one. We'll dive in. We'll dive into All that right. difference. And yes, also influenced by The Dark Knight Returns in terms of having a big fight between the two of them, but very different in terms of uh, the betrayals of that time and who they were thinking of getting for those roles. So. Anyways, a little quick tease for you. In terms of uh, my opinions, I'm with Zach on this one. In terms of, like, I was okay with it. I was just like, uh, it's not what I would title it, but okay. Like, fair enough. The V's a little weird, but, you know, once that other thing was explained to me, I was like, uh, I guess it's fine. Like, it still gets the point across. And then Donna Justice, as Andrew said, it kind of just feels like a lot of marketing just for Justice League. But, I mean, this is literally a prequel to the Justice League movie. So, it makes sense in a way. But I didn't really have issues with it or feel strongly negative about it. So I'll just give this one to Snyder, which means we're at Snyder 14, critics 21. Boo. <laughs> However, got him a point. I will say... Oh, uh, well, I like him getting a point, though, but I don't agree with it. I don't agree with, you? I don't agree with the, the, the decision <laughs> originally. But I like him. I, I have weird feelings about Snyder. I do. I don't know what I know, it is. I know, I know. Uh, should we give an automatic point, though, for this nice little touch, which is that when Doomsday tries to kill Lex, Superman immediately flies in and stops the stops Doomsday? Point. I really love that. Zach? Sure. Zach's like, might as well. He's not winning this anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's doing, doing something heroic. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he saves the man, like... Let's think of it this way. Previous movie, he was forced to snap Zod's neck, but here, he could easily just let Doomsday kill Lex and then take out, out Doomsday, but instead he decides to go in and even save his enemy, and I think that's very Superman in here. So uh, I think that's a great bit. Yes. Uh, Snyder 15, Critics 21. Uh, nice Next tidbit. Unlike the comics, this Doomsday is the corpse of General Zod. It is mentioned that there was a previous Doomsday by the Kryptonian ship saying that there was an abomination created by the Kryptonian Council. And since, But Lex is like, well, where's the Kryptonian Council? And they're like, well they're gone like the rest of Krypton then he's like then proceed so obviously there was a form of doomsday as we covered in Man of Steel it destroyed the moon Weg Thor uh, who was actually <laughs> destroyed by Jax Ur in uh, the comics but anyway uh, this is actually not the first time that there has been a doomsday Zod connection in you guessed it Smallville uh, doomsday was the offspring of Zod and Feora so this is kind of a takeoff of that where he's got Zod's DNA in both versions I mentioned this as well in our deep dive into the Phantom Zone villains check that out if you're part of our Patreon tier next bit uh, for there's been some on and off humor throughout the DCEU whether it's in Man of Steel with Carrie Ferris just being like I just think he's hot uh, and a lot of the bits in the Justice League, but I think the funniest, one of the funniest bits to me in in a movie with Snyder's name on it, is where Batman's asking Alfred what's going on, and Alfred looks at the scream of Doomsday, and he's like, "How best to describe it?" I thought that was a great bit. <laughs> Point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Might <laughs> <as well. laughs> we might as well. We might as well. You cool with that, Zach? Yeah, Alfred <laughs> saying something, a point. <laughs> Snyder, 16, critics, 21. Okay, <laughs> he's catching up. He's catching up. up. Uh, not, a, not a landslide, I'd say. It's not a landslide yet. Uh, yeah. Let's see. When we meet Swanwick, who, as we know, is a Martian Manhunter, but we didn't know at the time, he is on the phone with the president. Did you recognize the voice of the president? 
anybody. Negatory. It is actually not, Orm no. himself of Atlantis. It is Patrick Wilson as the voice of the president is before, it really? before he was cast as Orm Ooh. in Aquaman. Wow. Uh, That's cool. Because Patrick Wilson and Zack Snyder go way back to Watchmen, where he was Night Owl. So uh, that's that's Mm -hmm. where you get... We have both Night Owl and the comedian in this movie out of the Watchmen actors, because Jeffrey Dean Morgan was the comedian as well as Thomas Wayne in the beginning. So that's cool. We get the Dark Knight Returns bit, where Superman is sent into space and pretty much nuked, but gets his powers back through... Uh, the sun it's not nearly as graphic as the graphic novel of dark Knight returns where he's pretty much a husk until he absorbs the solar energy mm-hmm. from the flowers but it gets the job done i'd say it was cool uh, i like that it was a cool moment oh, that was good imagery too i thought point i just thought, thought it looked cool i would give him a <laughs> yeah i, I, I would <laughs> point i would <laughs> snyder 17 critics 21 <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen in the final episode of these. It was cool. Okay. It was cool. Okay. Yeah. Another automatic point for Snyder, uh, and I think we'll agree on this, the Wonder Woman entrance. Yeah. Like, come on. If there was a way to introduce Wonder Woman, that's the way to do it, outside of giving her you know, her own solo movie first. I still I right. like how they did it, where she's a small part of this movie, she finally debuts at the end, and then now that you're curious, then we go back in a prequel form. Uh, in the Patty Jenkins 2017 movie. So that music that is like that and the beautiful lie. That's one of the best pieces of music in the movie. The Wonder Woman theme. Oh, hell yeah. Andrew yeah, has yeah. different opinions on that. I think I like it. I, I mean, I don't think it's a negative. I just, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I'm, I might be changing my opinion on that one. It's fine. Really? I think I it works I don't perfectly. I absolutely for that. love it, but I think it's, you know, it's okay. I think it works for this scene. I think it feels a little off if you threw in the when you throw in the electric guitar in 1917 in uh, the you know the World War One setting, but for this one where she just comes in, saves Batman, starts throwing hands of Doomsday, that's pretty badass. So yeah, it was cool, and she's they like attacking his uh, ankle. Just had right? it, uh... She, yeah. she swipes at the ankle or something, and then that. Oh, in the beginning, know. she used the she does the the thing with the bracelets. Yeah, that is also cool. What were you saying, Zach? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I was just saying they could have had an acoustic version of it in the uh, the Wonder Woman movie, right. where it's like in World War One. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the I would like it if it was a variation of that theme each time. I just thought it was like so badass and mm-hmm. extremely unexpected, and it was just kind of like a. F- uh, I guess like a foreign sounding theme that I I just kind of blew me away. So I really like it. It's one of my favorite nice. pieces of the whole DC universe of new theme music. If like we were talking about before, nice, good good themes. You can hum it. That is true. And if that is you true. told me like Wonder Woman's theme, I know it immediately in my head. I can hear it right now. Uh, but a lot of other music from this movie, it's still good, but it's not quite like as easily recognizable. Right, right. I think what I'm thinking in the back of my head is the John Williams score for Superman, so iconic, and then the Elfman Batman score, so iconic, mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman's the Trinity. So, like, even though it's good, it just feel like it doesn't. For me, it doesn't really quite get to that those ridiculous heights set for the other. I understand the other, the other two of the Trinity, mm-hmm. which is as obvious, honestly, a super high bar anyway. But right. I mean, it's badass. It's cool in a fight scene, and you can hum it, which is good for a theme. So, point to Snyder. 
for that one as well. That puts him at 19. (laughs) Snyder, 19. Critics, 21. He's catching up. Oh, shit. See that? I will. I will also offer though. Uh, people criticize the Wonder Woman costume for being too dark, but I would say it fits pretty well with this aesthetic. Yeah. Like, I never had any issues with the costumes that I gave. I Gal don't Gadot. either. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Point. The Snyder Point twenty. Again, <laughs> critics twenty. It's getting ridiculous now. It's getting ridiculous now. But okay, I'm down with it. <laughs> we want this to be you guys on the edge of your seats to find out what happens lord so, knows i like <laughs> ridiculous shit so all right here okay here's something though that is going to be a bit of a debate uh there was the idea that superman at the end of this movie is going to sacrifice himself for humanity and inspire the justice league for the next movie and the justice league would kind of step in for the reign of the superman storyline where you know superman was dead but they brought in all these different copycats to show that superman couldn't really be replaced and Snyder basically was replacing them with the debut of the Justice League, which I think is kind of a cool idea. However, this bit was also criticized by people who thought it was uh, too early to do the death of Superman, too early to do Doomsday, and that there wasn't really much emotional impact to killing off Superman this early in the game for the DC you know, cinematic universe. So where do you guys stand on that when it came to this, uh, the death of Superman type of coverage? Uh, I absolutely agree. It was way too early and it lacked any emotional impact. Um, Not only from my feeling towards the movie in general, because, you know, Superman is so dour and mopey throughout the movie and he doesn't feel like he's inspiring hope. But, you know, these are intentions that I think are lost on a lot of viewers. Yeah, it's just way too early. And we, and like you said, Ben, it's like when Spider-Man and Black Panther were getting killed off in um infinity war infinity wars it's like you know they're going to come back mm-hmm. but we all know superman's going to come back this is the second movie he's been in and he's all of a sudden going to sacrifice himself and die we all know he's going to come back and yeah i think it was a very early to do doomsday as well i mean that's something that you could have built up to if that was the case then yeah maybe it would have been cool for them to have metallo as like a tertiary well if Lex is like the main villain, then all of a sudden it shifts to Metallo being like this final fight scene mm-hmm. that required all three of them to, you know, take down, then I think that would have been okay because then you're saving something like Doomsday for later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. It was too early and the death lacked a lot of uh, impact for me. Mm-hmm. Andrew. I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's way too early. I mean, you should be feeling, um, you should be hearing sniffles in the theater, you know, mm-hmm. it should be really heartbreaking and it's just not, it just kind of feels like, well, everybody knows who Superman is. Everybody knows he's a great guy. It's like, yeah, no, but we, we haven't really done that that much in this, in this, in this mm-hmm. series, in this movie. So, um, yeah, it's ultimately a little weak. Uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of a, I can see what they're saying, see what they're trying to do with justice league, but ultimately kind of on the weak side i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh yeah to me when i was watching it i was like this feels dumb that they're doing this this early because <laughs> <laughs> we as i said like we already know he's coming back i'm like really we're doing this before the justice league movie we're all supposed to buy that superman's not here for the justice league movie and then they show at the end with the dirt rising he's coming back anyway so i'm just like why did we have to sit through 15 minutes of this and a funeral to know that yeah. he's gonna come back like what was the point of this maybe we'll see more of it 
uh, in uh, the Justice League, but I felt like it's he doesn't have an established relationship with any of the other heroes. He's just met Wonder Woman, said one line to basically both of them as allies, uh, one or two lines in that moment right before the big you know three shot of all of them. Uh, so it doesn't really have the impact, and it was interesting because I rewatched Superman Doomsday and the Death of Superman, uh, other ad- animated adaptations of this, and they both did them very well in terms of the emotional impact of it, which I thought was interesting because of the fact that it, at first I would be like, oh, well, you know, the reason why this didn't have impact was because it was, it was too early for Henry Cavill, but then how come... I feel the impact when Superman dies in Superman Doomsday, when I've met this Superman for less than 30 minutes into the movie. Similar thing with the death of Superman, where sure, he's been in the other previous Justice League movies, but I haven't really watched them that much in depth to have much of an attachment to that version of the character. But both versions before he dies have a very strong sense of what you hope for that character with his relationship with Lois. You have a reason to care about him. And I think the reason why this lacked emotional impact was because of the fact that we're so distracted, as I talked about previously, by the Martha thing, by Batman killing in the warehouse, by this doomsday plot with Lex Luthor. You're not really thinking about Superman at this point or his arc or having any sort of dread for what's going to happen or what loss we're supposed to feel if he were to die at this point. You know, both the Superman Doomsday and the Death of Superman, the animated movies, play with his relationship with Lois Lane. You don't want him to die because you know you're going to feel that heartbreak that Lois feels from it. And sure, that is an element in here, but just the emotion does not come across that way. It's not really the same type of impact at all, unfortunately. You've got two great actors in the roles. You've had, you know, now we're at the end of a second movie and you would think it should hit you as a gun punch. And unfortunately, just doesn't because I think there's just too much beforehand that distracts you from that, that distracts you from caring about Superman on a level of whether or not he's going to live or die in this in this moment or what that would mean for the characters if he were to die we should feel that loss and frankly we don't uh, unfortunately and I think that's a big missed opportunity considering that that's supposed to be something that pulled on your heartstrings in the in the actual comic book history when that happened people were shocked in real life people who had never picked up a comic in decades were you know hugely impacted by this storyline so you would think that a movie adaptation of that would play off of that and unfortunately it just doesn't have the impact that it could have had so i think we're all in agreement then uh critics 22 snyder 20 Hmm. Yes, getting close here. <laughs> uh, side note, should Superman be able to fly with kryptonite? He has the kryptonite spear, and then he flies off with it into Doomsday. I, I was wondering. How do you feel this. about that? Uh, How ahead, do you guys Zach. feel about that? You, yeah. you go, Zach. <clears throat> Maybe he's holding it just far enough away. He's got it on the end of the spear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it may have been more of an M. I know it's... This is kind of like Dragon Ball Z territory where it's got to be really big and he's flying at him Mm -hmm. to stab into him. But I think it may have had more emotional impact if we would have seen Superman struggle to get over there with that spear to Mm -hmm. kill Doomsday. I think it would have it would have humanized him quite a bit for us to see that. Mm -hmm. Andrew, I think it's I mean, the way they're probably thinking of it is would the rules be. Uh, for, uh, you know, like how, cl- I mean, generally how close does it have to be? 
I mean, if you look back at the Kirk Allen serial, the moment you you show the kryptonite, he has like no powers. He's just completely useless. So I think it depends on the actual rules you establish. Uh, yeah. The only time we've seen his encounter with with kryptonite was with Batman, and I think it's pretty clear in the movie. He has the line, you know, stay down. If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Like, he's deliberately holding himself back. Uh, and he's also exposed right. to kryptonite in a different way because he's forced to breathe it in as opposed to it being shown to him. Right, So right, right. I would say it depends on your rules with Superman and kryptonite. But if you don't have anything established where the immediate sight of kryptonite causes him to, you know, basically collapse, you can kind of get away with it where he's just a little weaker. But you kind of, it, it's something where like I I'm okay accepting that it's not, it like I thought it was a little ridiculous at the end of Superman Returns that he lifts a kryptonite planet, Yo, and I what, was like, what's going on with that man? Yeah, he should not be able to do that. <laughs> that sure was a head scratcher that one. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that's the worst thing. But this one I'm just like, yeah, I'll allow it just because it's like it, it wasn't really established that. Uh, something that far out should affect him. So you can kind of buy that it's a far enough distance, as Zach was saying, at the end of the spear for him to pull that off. Are we giving a point to Snyder right now? Do you want to? I think we probably could. Give him a point. (laughs) (laughs) Snyder 21, critics 22. I was strict on the verses, but I I do. (laughs) I, I, I I can let this one go. I can let this one slide, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next tidbit. Uh, more Christ parallels. We've brought this before, but there's the deliberate image of the Pieta with uh, Mary over the body of Jesus. Similar thing with Lois over Superman's body uh, over here. There's also something that's foreshadowing of Zack Snyder's plans for Justice League 2 and 3. However, I'm not going to go into it because we have our own separate episode coming up on Justice League 2 and 3, and we're going to wait to get into it after we watch the Snyder Cut uh, before I reveal to you guys what that is. Anyway. Uh, what happens next is the big funeral for Clark Kent and Superman. The funeral goers at the Smallville site uh, were actually mostly the crew. The reason why was they wanted to cut down on the possibility of hiring extras who could give away the fact that Clark Kent was dead in this movie. The big funeral for Superman, they can easily get away with that and just say like it's the president's or lie that's the president's funeral in this movie or something like that. But one that's set on the Smallville farm makes it kind of little, you know, especially when you got Diane Lane already and said you only need process of elimination to figure out who died from Smallville, who would have a right. funeral scene, which is why you see Deborah Snyder has a cameo. Uh, at some point, uh, actors they've previously worked with are in here who were in Smallville. So you have the actress who played Lana Lang, uh, or actually, wait a minute. No, the, the adult Lana Lang is part of this. Uh, the priest who gives the eulogy is the same priest that Superman uh, that Clark goes to in Man of Steel. Right, yep. And uh, I looked him up, actually. His character is Father Leon. Father Leon is a comic book character who Superman confesses to in the storyline For Tomorrow by Brian Azzarello and Jim Lee. That doesn't mean we're going to take away our critics' point uh, on that on Man of Steel because it still feels random in the context of that story. But I am right. interested to see what the full context is in the comic where he comes up. Uh, so that was interesting. Also, the cannons that fire on Superman's funeral, you see the shells come out, and the shot is meant to sort of echo the shot of the bullet coming out of Joe Chill's gun in the beginning, sort of being, you know, a full circle sort of thing. We start with a funeral, we end with a funeral. The beginning was a funeral of darkness. This is a sort of funeral of 
hope because Superman's sacrifice gives, uh, you know, sets the example that heroism or as Batman says, men are still good, uh, gives him the hope to form the Justice League type of thing. So those are the little tidbits here. This is probably our final Snyder versus Critics, and it's a line from Wonder Woman. She says, quote, 100 years ago, I walked away from mankind. Now, that was a little bit controversial because they're just like, would Wonder Woman actually disappear for 100 years? Uh, Snyder wanted to sort of show the impact of Superman's sacrifice to inspire her to come out of the shadows. But as we know from the Wonder Woman movies now, uh, that sort of made things difficult for Patty Jenkins because she wanted to do a sequel uh, as well as not end Wonder Woman 1 on such a dour note. So it kind of doesn't line up exactly that way uh, when Patty Jenkins comes in to do the Wonder Woman solo movies. Uh, so some would say this might be out of character for Wonder Woman to do. Uh, others may say that this is perfectly in character with the DCEU version. Where do you guys stand on that? Oh, I don't know. Now all I can think about is Wonder Woman 84 and how that doesn't line up with what she said. Um, I think at the time that I watched it, it mm -hmm. didn't bother me. So let's say like upon first viewing, that was not one of the things mm -hmm. that I... I took issue with um i think for that version of her it's fine she doesn't seem to be beholden to man or especially being a mm -hmm. hero as far as what we know of her mm -hmm. right now so yeah i i think that it's fine it didn't bother me and i don't think that it's out of character for this specific version of wonder woman now as you see her in later movies it may feel that way but i would say if we're judging it based on this movie alone and our our limited uh knowledge of her upon this mm -hmm. viewing then yeah i'd say it, there's no issue with it andrew it's a little weird when a hero walks away entirely i mean maybe you can go into the uh you know what does she mean by walking away from mankind a little slightly vague but probably mm -hmm. she just wasn't saving people because she was bummed from steve um, dying, but mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. It's not great. I mean, it's not movie breaking, uh, but I mean, they had no idea what was going to happen in Wonder Woman eighty four as well at this time. Right, that uh, wasn't they, even developed they, yet. It would. This is before Wonder Woman one, right? So they mm -hmm. they really weren't there at that time. I mean, it would be great if they had a had a plan there uh, for sure. But um, I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't really hold this against them. I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys in terms of, like, it's, it makes sense for this version because we're presented to her for, like, just a few scenes. Like, if you think about it, this Wonder Woman in, uh, Donna Justice feels a little different from the one that we've met in the Patty Jenkins version. She's kind of a master thief on top of being a master warrior, uh, and when you see how she, you know, outdoes Bruce in stealing the data, how she slips it back into his car, uh, after all that stuff, like, it's, it's pretty, uh, Interesting. I think Gal Gadot even was on record saying that she thought she was auditioning for the role of Catwoman when she was up for the role of Wonder Woman yeah. because of those things. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think I had an issue with it when I was watching it. I think it made it a little bit more difficult for the Wonder Woman movies, but also I don't think Patty Jenkins needed to set a Wonder Woman movie in 1984 in the sequel anyway. We could have just continued after Justice League. Uh, on it. So I would mm -hmm. say the point goes to Snyder on this one, which means we are at Snyder 22, Critics 22. We're at a tie, gentlemen. Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I just wanted to say real quick before we head to the next thing. Yeah. I think, you know, people want this, like, perfect 
Tolkien world. You know, Tolkien's like the ultimate world builder. Yeah. And th- like these movies are just not that. They they're making them one at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel's done a really excellent job, but I'm sure there's some issues there's some, there as yeah, well. Yeah, there's some continuity stuff in there as well. But yeah. And if and if Wonder Woman has like one offline that really goes against uh, you know continuity with a movie that came out years and years later, and this movie, it's 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 just these these ha- these things happen. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, these movies are made by people, and they and people make these kinds of, kinds of mistakes. And I don't know. Yeah, we just shouldn't hold hold it against them. I think, yeah. especially when it's something this quite this small. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Last tidbits. Originally, Snyder wanted Batman to brand Lex at the end, but realized it wouldn't fit Batman's arc very well. So he just punches the wall instead, and that's the end of his arc. Uh, also. Bruce says uh, in the scene with Alfred, he says how many good guys are left, how many stayed that way. And at the end, he says men are still good to show his change of heart after seeing Superman sacrifice himself. You could say that he isn't really given that hope in humanity until he sees Superman sacrifice himself uh, at the very end. So I think I do. I do like the idea of Batman being inspired to form the Justice League through Superman's sacrifice. However... As we said, like it feels a little early for that to happen, and they just didn't have enough emotional impact. Maybe if they had more emotional impact in Clark's death through Doomsday, I would have been more okay with it. Uh, he would still run into the problem of, you know, obviously Superman's going to come back. However, I do have a quick solution to that, which is what if at the end you save some of the nightmare stuff for the end where Batman does get that vision, but it's clear that the evil Superman is a resurrected Superman. Now you know that Superman is coming back, but he's coming back evil. There you already eliminate the idea of, like, is he coming back? But it's more of a dread about he's coming back and what that means. Right, right, when right. When he's that coming back. Cool. So yeah. that's my proposal to, to change that one thing. Uh, and uh, at the end, Bruce walks away into a field that's supposed to be kind of a parallel of the shot uh, from when he was at Wayne Manor and he was telling Alfred he was going to go in and, and kill Superman. And he walks through a field that is completely... You know, it's it's just completely covered, and he's just walking through it. But in this one, he's walking uh, in a field that has a set path in it to sort of show uh, the hope. And I believe that was a deliberate choice on Snyder's part. Uh, That's cool. We will end with a final Snyder quote regarding Batman's arc in this movie. That's the beginning of the redemption. It starts at the end of Batman v Superman when he realizes men are still good. That's what Superman taught him. It's cool to have an alien teach you about your own humanity. Thank you, Mr. Snyder. Mm. Points to Snyder, so he wins. <laughs> 23, <laughs> critics 22 is what you're saying? <laughs> tie, tie, tie broken. <laughs> so I got, I got two things I wanted sure, to talk sure. about. So uh, first off... I did think it was weird that there was this huge funeral for Superman uh, because I feel like people just, they seem to be so... uh, Anti-Superman? I guess he was such a... Yeah, he was such a controversial figure and a lot of people seem to be against him throughout the movie. Did him sacrificing himself to kill Doomsday really turn everybody over? Because it seems like. I mean... It would turn. It would maybe turn like the government he, over, like the military. They would probably really yeah. appreciate. Yeah, because he, he saved all of them from having to deal with that. But I suppose I get what so. You mean. It just feels like I understand. Yeah, 
Yeah, kind of like the Zod thing. Like, well, he saved everybody from Zod, but you know, there there are still plenty of people bitching after that. So I just feel like, plus, I guess the so something I wanted to know: Are they fighting in Gotham still when Doomsday is there? And is this like some derelict yeah. part of Gotham with nobody around? The because that's what it seems like. Yeah, but I wasn't yeah, the sure. A line. Yeah. They go to what that island with nobody is there, and then they go back to Gotham, where that's a, that's also abandoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So no, nobody's lives are lost. Well, nobody's Doomsday, over their tracks. Like, Doomsday really still much. kills a bunch of helicopters on the way over there. So that's he the does bad still... guy, though. That's, yeah, that's the bad guy doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not Superman this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was a big. It was a big like turnaround all of a sudden for him to have this huge funeral. It just seemed a little bit I, I hear hollow you. to I me. And the Yeah, and the part of Lois Lane throwing the spear down this uh kind of like dilapidated well and then all of a sudden having to jump back down there and get it again. <laughs> Did she have to jump back down, or was no, it Superman? He, Somebody had to like immediately reconcile. Uh, that. She tried to get it, but then Superman had to rescue her and goes in to get it himself. I think. That's right. Yeah. My wife only saw the theatrical version, so she she likes Lois in Man of Steel, but she hates Lois really? in this one because she's only theatrical oh, version, yeah. and she's like, well, basically, she's just a damsel in distress gets saved in Africa. Doesn't Lex push her yep. off a building? Yes. And then Superman saves her. And then she then Superman's gotta save her when she's going to get the spear, which is something that she caused by throwing it down the well in the first place. So because she hasn't seen the ultimate cut, she just just hates Lois because she's reduced to this person that has to be saved three times. I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of Lois Lane does kind of have to be saved by Superman in the Superman yeah. movie. I get At what least you once. mean. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean though, in terms of like her investigation storyline is cut down significantly in the theatrical version. Yeah. To be fair, we probably should have seen Batman do a lot more investigating than jump to the conclusion that he's got to kill Superman. But right. it, at least somebody was doing her job. Because, like, Lois and Wonder Woman are the only what two... What do these pictures mean? <laughs> Whose family? <laughs> Lois, <Jack. laughs> Lois and Wonder Woman are the only ones doing their jobs right in this movie. Like, If you think about it, Superman's going off moping about humanity batman wants to kill superman both are being manipulated by lex in some way lois is the only one who goes has an investigation and turns out to be right wonder woman when she does step up to come into the fight helps out a lot because batman sure as hell isn't able to hold doomsday through a rope so you know the women in this movie are the only (laughs) ones who really do their job (laughs) they don't they don't do anything wrong (laughs) the ones who do their jobs that's true that's true that is true do you have something else zach or was that it Nope, yeah. that was uh, it. Okay. <laughs> nice, man. Any other closing thoughts, Andrew? Closing thoughts. Um, well, I think you should go first, Zach, maybe. Or do you want to close it out the whole way, Zach? Oh, close I don't out know. this whole section. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and say my closing okay. thoughts. Okay. Uh, so now that I've griped, I've griped about those two things, so we'll get that <laughs> out of the way, but... As I've said before, and as Ben has said, I I have come to respect this movie more after seeing the Justice League because I can I can accept it and respect it as maybe a not so successful experiment, and it's kind of cool that he just uh, you know as far as like Snyder's vision, he did his own thing with it, 
and maybe I respect that more now. It may not be my favorite version of all the characters, but at least it's it's not trying to just copy Marvel and copy their formula, which to me just feels kind of like weak and wrong, uh, just to try to mimic exactly what they're doing. So I feel better about it now than I did. When did this come out? Back in 2016. 2016. Yeah. So, yeah, so about five years ago. So I it has grown on me. It's not perfect, uh, but I definitely like it better now than I did when I first saw it. So I will I will give it some credit. And visually, uh, Snyder, just like Burton, I feel like is a very strong visual storyteller, and he loves getting he loves creating those comic book accurate images. And I really like that as an artist. I really enjoy seeing that. And uh, to me, I think that's the best part of this film. Nice. Andrew? To add to what Zach was saying, uh, it reminded me, whenever he was talking, it reminded me, during the uh, kind of the bad days of Apple, Steve Jobs at one of his keynotes said, we do not have to beat Microsoft to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I like that about this, like they do not have to be Marvel to succeed. And I think Snyder has known that all along. I mean, he has his own style. He's going to do it anyway. But I, I do think, yeah, to differentiate and to be different. And um, that's why Justice League does ultimately come off as weak. It's just trying to, trying to, you know, copy them too much, trying to, trying to be the competition instead of beat the competition, I mm -hmm. guess. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but also, like Jack, uh, like Zach said, it's uh, when I first saw it, it was kind of a four out of ten, and I think at least it's at least a six out of ten for me now, mm -hmm. maybe a six point five. I, the reason for that is like I can understand some of the some of the points he, uh, especially the uh, the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, I, I understand some of the uh, decisions a, a little bit more. A lot of the action is really good. The visual style is great. The costumes are fucking wonderful. Um, the score is great. The editing is great. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about it, despite all the problems. Uh, I mean, it could have been a way better, a lot better. It could have had an S in the title, but uh, <laughs> 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 but but yeah, I don't know. I I think if you're listening out there and you're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? The movie sucked. Like real, I mean. <laughs> devote three hours of your life and try to see this movie again and then devote uh, four hours to listen to us talk about it yeah exactly or however long <laughs> six hours taken. probably <laughs> six hours um so so yeah it is going from a thumbs up to th a thumbs down to thumbs up for me mm -hmm. ultimately mm -hmm. um and man snyder i know i think snyder does watch youtube videos if you're out there watching us man we're just some jackasses on the internet, you know. We haven't made a movie. We haven't made a movie like you have, and you've got a shitload of fans also. So there is that, and just trying to not be too uh, cold-hearted and and all that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah, I think the tie score twenty-two versus twenty-two kind of reflects the overall feeling. Where there's like there's a lot that I like about this movie, and there's a lot that I really don't like about this movie. Mostly a lot of the Lex Luthor stuff, honestly, for the reasons that I stated. <laughs> not just because his it's an unconventional performance. We'll have a separate deep dive into this version of Lex versus other versions of Lex later. But for this specific, just closing thoughts of this movie, 
yeah, I mean, I wish that I liked more of it, but I do definitely like more of it now than I did back in 2016. And I... I'm appreciative of the fact that it's given us so much to talk about. Because uh, as I've brought up, we talked about this in the Patreon episode before, Andrew, where I had seen Civil War around the time that I saw Batman versus Superman. I saw it early. Right. And I was like, you know, this is a way better movie. Civil War is a way better movie. Because uh, I was not bumped as much. But then flash forward to now, and I'm continually drawn to examine Batman versus Superman to the point where we've done four episodes on it. I don't see us doing four episodes on Civil War. I don't see myself really revisiting uh, Civil War that much, either in terms of rewatching it or in my mind. So maybe Snyder just gets the last laugh in terms of doing a movie that's unconventional, that sort of challenges your ideas of what these characters are supposed to be, that are supposed to reflect on ideas of power and uh, morality and trying to do the right thing when everyone else is trying to bring you down and trying to find a hope in a hopeless situation. Uh, I Like, frankly... Uh, Batman's arc in this, even though I might not be a huge fan of the killing thing, the idea of him being a burnout who gets hope by the end is probably one, I'll put it up there with the uh, intended arc for Batman Forever as one of my favorite uh, Batman movie arcs because it's a clear, it, it's it's something that I think is a relatable uh, type of feeling for him to, for us to see somebody go through that and, and to see him regain that by the end. And I think that's it's a much more powerful than a lot of the other uh, attempts at it because really with Batman Begins it's it's a basic origin story so that's pretty clear but Batman Forever talked about you know Bruce Wayne trying to overcome trauma in the original version and this one is about him gaining hope in a hopeless situation so I would say it's almost comparable uh, to that I really appreciate what they were trying to do at least when it came to that even if I had problems with the execution and I want to I want to oh keep going sorry keep yeah, going. yeah. and uh, just the just because of that I am wondering how much of our issues have to do with studio interference over Snyder's actual creative decisions, which means, considering that Zack Snyder's Justice League is more of Zack Snyder's original vision, does this mean that this may actually be the strongest out of the three movies because it's more of Snyder unfiltered and not having to follow Warner Brothers execs anymore because he gets to do his own thing? Who knows? We'll see uh, pretty soon on that, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, okay... The previous versions were filtered through studio executive interference. This one, not so much. Let's see what you got. So I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, Andrew. It's uh, what you say about like you know you, you want to revisit this movie rather than Civil War, even though that in it's, some ways is, is objectively in, better. In general, movie. yeah, yeah. Like I would revisit but subjectively. This over, yeah, yeah. And maybe part yeah. of it is simply because I'm a bigger Batman Superman fan and know way yeah. more about the history versus Iron Man and Captain America, who I mainly know through those movies. It's 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 almost as if Snyder is controversial in a real fun way yeah. as fans. <laughs> like even when he fucks up with the neck snap, it's like in Man of Steel or, or with this movie, it's just so um I don't know. It's it still just gives us something to talk about, I guess, and 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 makes you think about your preconceptions about that character also. Like maybe Batman should kill if that if that uh if that director or if that writer really wants him to, like, should mm-hmm. he be so, so strict? Because a lot of the times it's, you know, he's been rewritten a, a million times over the past 80 years. And I wouldn't want to do it all the time. But, I mean, if if we're being really open to interpretation and variation throughout the years to expand this mythos of, to see what this character can do in mythology, you know, 
maybe in that way some of these some of these uh controversial opinions can be valid in some way mm-hmm. you know uh that i don't mm-hmm. want to i don't if he kills if he kills a shitload in the batman i'm gonna be upset in the, in the new one coming out <laughs> right but i'm not saying i just i make it really clear for the internet yeah i'm not saying you should do it all the time mm-hmm. but i am saying maybe we should be a little bit looser as fans and more accepting to to different interpretations mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this is certainly a different interpretation. I think uh, Deborah Snyder is even on record saying she feels like a lot of the reasons why this didn't do so well critically was because of people's preconceived notions of the characters. And which is also why I think in this series we tried our best to evaluate it the way it was as opposed to our preconceived notions of it. Like if Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor was played the exact same way but written with a different plan that made more sense with better motivations... I would have been okay with it. He still wouldn't have been my favorite Lex Luthor, but I wouldn't have thought, oh, this is this is terrible. You know, like I would have had different feelings on it. But as you said as well, Andrew, like Snyder is controversial in a fun way. Like this, if this was, if we agreed with everything, every choice, we would not have the series. It would literally just probably be one episode where we're just like, everything was great. This comes from The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> See you next week on Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Like instead we've had a lot of rich discussion on this and a lot of fans listening have been engaging with us on this and thank you very much for those comments uh, because of the fact that this is a very divisive movie but it almost makes it fun in a way from our perspective and uh, I just think sometimes the hardest ones for us to do episodes on are the ones that are just kind of universally loved what else do we have to say about them yeah, yeah. that was good yeah remember uh sub-zero yeah. we did an episode on <laughs> that and mr freeze sub-zero oh, yeah. and we're like yeah it's a good mr freeze movie and then we're just like all right see you next time on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff you should know like was that one of our shorter, <laughs> that was one of our shorter ones because we were just like point. oh it was good and then we're, we realized it's not based off a of comic so we can't compare it and uh yeah i mean obviously it's better than batman and robin but then what else can we say about it, it was just very good but then that was that was about it like it, it from our perspective it's more fun uh to discuss stuff that is more controversial or debate or, or give opinions because that leads to richer discussion so uh you know thank you snyder not just for your movies but uh for us you know giving us a lot to discuss here and we have even more for your controversy Mm -hmm. and that is superhero (laughs) stuff you should know uh we had a few uh comments from people on our first part of batman versus superman talking about the thomas wayne punch so Bob93 said, quote, I think what the critics were talking about with the whole Thomas Wayne throwing a punch scene is that normally you wouldn't go after a mugger up front with bare fists when he's pointing a gun at you. That gets you killed. I don't disagree with that. Uh, you give him what he wants, money, jewelry, etc., and then hope he leaves. Throwing a punch seems nonsensical and just makes the situation worse for you and your family. This is why, in my opinion, I prefer the Nolan version or the Death of the Waynes with Snyder's version being my second, fa- second favorite due to the visuals. Um, yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. Uh, on it. I'm just saying I don't think it's out of character for Thomas Wayne to do that considering that it's in the comic. If I were Thomas Wayne, I probably wouldn't try to do that, but I'm not Thomas Wayne. Uh, I'm just judging this based off of the character in the comic or in the movie on there. Yeah, so I understand. I mean, what he's what this person's saying <clears throat> makes a lot of sense, but it's, uh, I mean, if you feel like you're about to get shot and you don't have a gun, uh, mm-hmm. and, I mean, we don't know Thomas Wayne all that well, in this or in a lot of iterations but i mean and what his intuitions are but if we can mm-hmm. i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to get the intuition that you're probably about to get shot like you can sit you can read the room you can see what this person in front of you what his eyes look like or whatever 
and mm-hmm. and then you just do what you can. It's a it's a fist to a gunfight, literally. But you know what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, I jumped in line, Zach. Oh, I, I was thinking it was Snyder's answer to what Razo Ghoul says in Batman Begins, oh, where yeah. he's like, "Your father couldn't stop stop the mugger from killing him, you know, him and his wife and mm-hmm. all that stuff." So. I mean, and then Bruce is like, you know, he didn't have any training and everything like that. But like I said before, I, I still like this version because it seems like it inspires Bruce, even as a child, to like not back down mm-hmm. from crime, like to actually try and do something about it. So, yeah, I I get what he's saying and he's right. It isn't very realistic or maybe the best choice, but I still, you know, stand by my decision to give him a point. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't recommend people dress up in a bat suit and go out and fight crime either. No. But <laughs> that's the character right. uh, on this. But, yeah, I mean, I again, totally get what you mean in real life. Uh, but in terms of the character of Thomas Wayne, the significance of that in the Batman mythos, uh, we were all fine with it. Uh, Jorge Snyder, uh, any relation? Uh, has uh-huh. a few comments to this. Uh, he, did, <laughs> he did chime in saying, quote, I also took Thomas throwing a punch as aggressive versus Nolan or Burton, and Bruce is more aggressive because of this. So similar thing to what Zach said. Um, he also left a comment saying, quote, I read that Jack was supposed to be Blake when they were trying to bring back Vale. Oh, really? Uh, let us know the source on that one. I'm very curious if that was uh, confirmed because there are rumors about them trying to tie in the Dark Knight trilogy Batman into this if you think about it not only does the timing work out but you've got a veteran batman somebody who's been around for a while uh type of thing potentially there were rumors about coming out of retirement the wayne enterprises satellite logo is the same one as the nolan trilogy satellite logo uh there's a con there's concept art from batman vs superman where batman's got the bat signal and the bat signal is the same bat signal from the dark knight trilogy so who knows uh, on that, but yeah, let us know, uh, Jorge Snyder, if uh, you have more intel on that one. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to address is from DJ Assassin UK, who commented on our Batman and Robin uh, deep dive, saying, "Quote: Lots of actually no, that was the Batman Forever deep dive. It was the Batman Forever deep dive with uh, our interview with the Baxters oh, who wrote yeah. Batman Forever. Uh, said lots of reasons to accept Adam West Batman, but reject Clooney's Bat credit card. Anyone?" Now, I get that you're partially joking here, but you're telling me Adam West, this Batman, <laughs> wouldn't have a credit card if he was ever in need of it or ever in need of money that would ever couldn't be traced to Bruce Wayne? This Batman, who didn't just have shark repellent, but also barracuda repellent, whale repellent, manta ray repellent, as shown in the movie. West, who had a gadget for every possible contingency, would do math problems in his head to go up against brainwashing. Yes, I also prefer West over Clooney, more for the performance than, you know, whether one was a campy Batman or not. But citing the Bat credit card as a reason, I wouldn't say that's the best reason to put one over the other, because I would say Adam West would totally have a Bat credit card. Totally. In fact, so, Google... So is character, yes. Yeah, I know. Google Batman credit card Adam West. What you will find is a Batman credit card for sale, signed by Adam West on <laughs> AdamWest.com. And while it doesn't say the expiration date is forever, like in Batman and Robin, it does say you get unquestioned credit at participating Bat retailers. So, yes, I think Adam West would definitely have a Batman credit card, but he is absolutely a better Batman 
than George Clooney, not because one was campy over the other, but because Adam West is just iconic and he, he put thought and stuff into the performance. And sure, he kind of hated it after a while, but I'd, I'd say he put in a lot more effort uh, into his performance and it paid off into an iconic role versus Clooney, who sometimes you feel like he's just sleepwalking through the Batsuit a lot <laughs> yeah. of times in Batman and Robin. I don't think anybody will dispute that. Even Clooney doesn't dispute that. So uh, that's <laughs> that would be a reason, I think, to put West over Clooney. But anyway, thank was, you very much. I was for at a comment. panel in, uh, at Comic-Con one time with Grant Morrison, and Grant Morrison commented on those movies, and he said, he said, I like those stupid movies or something like that. <laughs> The TV show? <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the uh, well, uh, Batman and Robin. He was talking about. Oh, that. oh, yeah. And Batman Forever too. But I, I you know, you could probably find that panel online somewhere. They, they record all mm -hmm. those panels. But, uh, but I thought it was hilarious. Like Grant Morrison kind of just likes it for what it is. I can see that. As he, I can as totally he would. See Grant Morrison digging it. Yeah, yeah. I can see him digging it. Yeah. So, uh, that's it for the uh, fan comments. Over to you, Andrew. Oh shit! That's it, man. I thought there was gonna be more of that stuff. Okay. Uh, all right, so thank you to our Patreon supporters. They are <laughs> Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, and we would like to thank our other supporters Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah V, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, and Walter. The Wobot. Did I forget anybody, Ben? Uh, let's see. John Wells. John, John Wells, Wells yes. John he Wells. Comments on a lot of our Facebook stuff. I'm going to add and, you uh, now. our episodes. So thank you, John. Thank you, John. All right. And uh, uh, please join the Shasta Army. That's the $1 tier on uh, patreon.com slash pod. And then we got the $5 tier, which we've uh, talked about quite a bit on this episode already. Uh which is uh, you get the Deeper Dive uh, extra podcast. Um, it's a whole other show, guys. And uh, you can cancel mm -hmm. anytime. So, again, that's patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. If you want to just do five bucks and just catch four episodes, probably. Um, generally, mm -hmm. that's what happens in, in a month. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's every Friday we release those. Um, we have Superhouse merch also in a Redbubble store. Uh, that's Superhouse Pod dot redbubble.com also on tpublic which is tee public.com slash user slash superhouse podcast 5000 and also on threadless superhero stuff pod dot threadless.com get your bin man merch that's bit that's a uh, like a batman ben atavius and then uh indeed wizard merch as well artwork by wolfie cruz on there and uh, this, the uh, pod logo as well, if you want that. Uh, T-shirts, tote bags, and all kinds of shit like that. Check out the merch there. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. And also, uh, as Zach is uh, always providing us with fucking great shit, uh, the phone bumper, the bumper means an audio clip, um, generally at, uh, at the midpoint of the episode. Um, but if we get a shitload of them, We'll put them kind of. Uh, I've thought about this before, but I'll put them in different spots too. If we if we get a bunch, um, nice. But uh, but yeah, record something um, saying you like the show or something weird or or whatever. It doesn't have to be big production or whatever, and it can be on your phone, your voice recorder app, and then uh, email that to uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And you too, dear listener, can be on the show. Uh, 
I, uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm also on YouTube on another thing that I do, uh, which is more Japan-based con- uh, uh, content and uh, Japanese language and stuff like that. Uh, I lived in Japan for three years and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, Thunderwolf Lives. So uh, search for that on YouTube. You'll find me. Thunderwolflives.com has a bunch of shit on there. And uh, if uh, we're, we're also on YouTube. If you're not watching us on YouTube, if you want to check us out. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. Ben. You can also follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. We're currently following uh, the uh, trending Bat March, where we're promoting our Batman-related episodes. Uh, we're also on Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod, where we met Zach. And uh, you can follow my personal Instagram at BenWanWriter, where I'm promoting a lot uh, recently of my own write- written work, as well as pitched videos that are excerpts of the uh, past episodes as well. Uh, you can also follow my son's Instagram, my furry cat, Alfie, <laughs> Alfie Pennyworth Cat on Instagram. He's my baby boy. Sir Alfred uh, Pennyworth Catatavius II. Yes. yes, he wears a bow tie. <laughs> and uh, you can visit my website, benwanwriter.com. I currently have my Gotham script up there, as well as uh, eventually I'm going to also put an elementary script for any uh, Sherlock Holmes fans up there, so oh, stay tuned for that. Shit. And uh, the link to my channel is also in the description below that has some excerpts from this podcast where I pitch a lot of different ideas. Anyway, over to you, Zach. Uh, Where can our fans find you if they haven't already? Well, I don't just bitch about Zack Snyder movies. I do also (laughs) create artwork. And you can see that artwork uh, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on the TikToks at Zachary Jackson Brown Art. Mm -hmm. TikTok. And that's it. Yep. That's right. No dancing, <laughs> just drawing. Yes, yes, that's true. So, uh, coming up, for those who are Patreon, our $5 tier and up members, you will get a special episode this week on the history of the black suit Superman uh, to go inside of the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, find out the history and the various reasons why Superman wears a black suit across the different adaptations. Uh, in the meantime, for our main show, uh, obviously, Zack Snyder's Justice League comes out the week of this release. We will be doing our own little uh, deep dive into the origins of the Justice League across comic books and different media before the Zack Snyder Justice League movie came out. You know, who were the original lineup members? When did Cyborg come in? And all those sorts of different uh, versions of how the league started. We'll go into that and probably, uh, you know, try to vote on which one we like the best. So stay tuned for that. Such a momentous occasion when Snyder Indeed. League comes out. That's right. Yes. So, looking forward to that. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I believe that is it. This is Ben signing off. This is Zach signing off. <laughs> Goodbye, friends. <laughs> that wasn't creepy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>